So I see all these news stories about the ghost guns and like how it's this big problem. And like they have these kits called polymer 80 kits and it's basically like a Glock frame and you have to, it comes with the drill bits. You have to drill out a couple holes where like the pins go to hold the trigger in place. And you like file down a couple pieces, like where the barrel goes. It takes me, I took, I did them in like 15, 20 minutes. Like they're super easy to make. So the ATF tried to shut them down and they took it to the Supreme court and won. And the Supreme court's like, no, this is, they have the, the right to put this stuff out there. He put like, I don't know if it was a Glock, whatever, like a nine millimeter. He put it on a drone and then the drone hovers in front of a um, maybe 15 or 20 feet away from a, a, a target. And he fires, he fires at it. Boom, boom. And the, the drone like does this. But yeah. when you're weaponizing drones on U.S. soil, it's bad. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and we are going to be doing another video with Dave Ostroff. This one is going to be about ghost guns. We didn't get into this last time. We decided to exclude that for an entire... First of all, I don't even know anything. I don't even know, know much about it other than... It, although I mentioned it to like the guy that was here. I said, yeah, I'm going to do a video today on ghost guns. He's like, oh, yeah, the 3D printers. And I was like, like everybody seems to know about this. Well, it was a big deal in like the media when you were in Coleman. Um I'm surprised you didn't see it on the news, honestly, but I saw it. I just didn't. I like I, when you started explaining to her, I was to me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that, but I didn't think it was like a big deal. I remember, that was going to be a concern. But yeah, I don't... it was a big deal. So, <laughs> I mean, I blame the media because like until I saw it on the news, I didn't I didn't think I thought 3D printed guns were like because in like the early days, they were just they would blow up in your hand like they were a joke. Right. But. I mean, the last five or six years, like, I mean, it's come a long way and <laughs> there's all, all kinds of cool stuff out there. Explain this to me. Explain to me. How does that, how does that work? Um, just the whole process or. Yeah. Well, how'd you get into it? Like, how did you, how did it start? Well, I mean, I've been shooting guns since I was like five or six years old, like with my dad. Right. And, um. Once I moved to Colorado, I was I was 21 when I moved here. So I was able to I went and got my Colorado Colorado ID and I could just go right to the store and buy guns. So I bought a Glock, I bought an AR. Um bought is there a waiting? Stuff. Is there a waiting period? There is now, but uh, at that point you just go in, background check takes like 10, 15 minutes, you know, and just go walk around the store, then you walk right out with your gun. Okay. Yeah, so um that was like honestly one of the first things I did here. I went and bought my Glock, went and bought an AR, um, <laughs> which I was living in this house with like five or six other girls. It's like we're all in, we're all going to CSU, and I got in trouble because like one of the girls would steal everyone's clothes. Like she stole my clothes too, and she would fight with the other girls. And then she's like, "Well, I'm going to break into Dave's room and steal his guns." And like I was just like, "Oh my god." So yeah, that was drama, but yeah, I've had guns like pretty much the whole time I lived here. Um, but then like when COVID started, I was like, I was believing like the fucking shit in the news, like, oh, the world's going to end. Like the, the U S post office is going to close down. And I was like, when that happens, it's Armageddon. So I got to be prepared. <laughs> and, um, 
yeah, at that point I only had like, uh, I had a Springfield XD 45, which is just like a 45 caliber pistol. That's not enough. No, fuck not me. for Armageddon. No, and it only had like a 15 round magazine. So what's that going to do? Yeah. So you can um, only kill so many zombies. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I ended up getting a, an AR uh, pistol, like a 300. Do you know anything about guns? No, I did have a concealed weapons permit. In yeah, I remember you saying that. And you had like a yeah. SIG, right? Yeah, I had a, um, no, I had a, like, yeah, like a Smith & Wesson. I had a I Smith & Wesson. A huh? I thought you said it was a Sig Sauer. No, I had, I had like a Smith & Wesson 9mm and I had a, a 350, 357, um, you know, revolver that were both, all, both were Smith & Wessons. That's, yeah. that's I think that's all. Your... <laughs> that's it. And, and, you know, like once I, I think I went to the gun range maybe five or six times and that was it. It was over. That was it. And I was lost interest. I almost never carried them anywhere. I mean, I was like, kept them in my house, you know? And then when I, you know, when I got in trouble the first time, they told me I couldn't have a gun. I like gave them away. Yeah. That's what happened with me too. Um, but I'm surprised because like, Pretty much everyone I know from Florida are like Diveroli. Like they were like just fucking strapped to the teeth. Yeah. I mean, I, I had them. I, I, I knew how to use them, but I wasn't, you know, and, and I just, when I took the concealed weapons permit, like the one thing the instructor really, really pushed was, listen, don't go anywhere you think you need a gun. Right. Yeah. You know? That's good advice. And it's like, and he, you know, and then it was also like, you know, like if you go to collect rent and you have your gun, like that's a problem. Yeah. You can't go to, even if it's concealed, like you, you, what if, what if something happens, cop shows up and you go, oh, I've got my gun. So you came to collect rent with your gun. Now you've got an issue. Like yeah. there were all these things that I thought, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, what am I doing? Yeah. And it's funny too. Cause I remember when he went around the class, like, why do you want a gun? Oh, almost everybody in there was like, you know. I, similar to this, you know, sometimes I go into a bad neighborhood or sometimes that, and I remember mine was one time I'd gone to the movies in this kind of sketchy neighborhood. And there were some guys that were kind of hanging around the corner where my car was. And I started thinking, fuck, like, I don't, I could get robbed. And I wanted my, uh, a gun. And he said, and I remember he, the instructor said, when you went to that movie theater, did you know it was in a sketchy neighborhood? I said, oh yeah, I go there every once in a while. He goes, okay. So now you think you still want to go to the movie theater, but you want to be able to have your gun. I said, yeah. And he goes, why would you go to the movie theater in a sketchy neighborhood where you think you need a gun? He said, that's not going to play well. <laughs> right. What He said, that's not going to play well if you have to pull it out and use it. You think, oh, I'll pull it out and I can use it. But if you end up in front of a judge and a jury and they say it's in a bad neighborhood, you went there with your gun in a bad neighborhood. Why? Why didn't you just go to another theater? Like he explained, yeah. and the more that you talk about it, you start thinking, yeah, I know that's a shitty neighborhood. Why did I go there? <laughs> like, what am I doing? He, you know, so I remember after that, there were all these things that all the reasons I wanted a gun made me think were just so, you know, it was all like all ego, right? And it yeah. was like, you know what? Like, keep it in your, his whole, his whole thing boiled down to this. Keep it at your office. Keep it at your house. If someone breaks into your office or your house, use the gun. Yeah. Don't hesitate. Use the gun. 
But honestly, if you want to walk around and carry it like a tough guy, so you can't wait to pull it out, like you're telling you right now, you're going to end up in prison. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so at that point, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I stuck it in like a drawer and forgot about it and didn't carry it for years. I mean, I always kept one in my truck. Like I had a judge. Yeah, like to move it from one place or another. I had one at the office, one in my house. Periodically, I might put it in the in the dash. Yeah. But that was. I, I, first of all, it's Florida. You know how hard it is to walk around with a concealed weapon in Florida? Yeah, right. And have it really concealed? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's almost impossible. Of course, now you can just carry it. Yeah, open carry? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I kept a judge in my truck, which is like a shotgun revolver. It's a revolver that shoots like 410 shotgun. Right. So I felt like that was an appropriate like, car weapon because, you know, like, if they're close... I had these nasty rounds for it too. They shot like little, they're called PDX ones and they shot like copper plates with like buckshot BBs behind them. And like the, the plates make a tight spread and then the BBs do a widespread. So they just, they're like designed to kill people. But yeah, that was my car, my car gun. And then yeah, I'd, I'd keep a AR pistol at my grow and then my 45 at my house. So I'd, I had the same mentality, but I also open carried everywhere during COVID. Go to Home Depot, the grocery store, gas station. I always had it on my hip. But I mean, in Colorado, I blend in. Like, you know, I'm driving an F-150. Um, I got work boots on, a flannel shirt, and I got a fucking pistol on my hip. Like, no one questioned yeah. me. Everyone's like, did you have your concealed carry when you're like, was it you I was telling the story to? And you're like, did you have your concealed carry at that time? Someone, I was telling the story to someone. They're like, "Did you have your concealed carry?" I was like, "Bro, I was on felony probation. Oh <laughs> I couldn't God. even have it." Yeah, <laughs> bro, I thought the world was gonna end. I was like, "You're not gonna tell me I can't carry a fucking gun." And in <laughs> reality, it didn't end. Was that? It didn't end. No, it didn't end. I also didn't get arrested, but it was so I would have gone to fucking prison. It was an unregistered uh, gun. Like I couldn't have it. Yeah, it would have been bad. But yeah, so. Um, that was during COVID and I was just like, fuck, I have, I can't go buy guns cause I'm a felon and I have this pistol. I have this AR. Um, I should probably tell you how I got the pistol. Um, cause I couldn't buy guns. So like I, this is like the only time in my life I didn't have any guns and uh, my buddy died and he was like a big Coke dealer. So me and two of my buddies, just call him Bert and Ernie, we go and get his safe out of his house after he died so that, you know, the cops didn't get it and open it and find a brick of blow or something. And uh, so the one guy, Bert, put it in his storage unit and he went to go do something. So he gave me and Ernie the key to his storage unit. And we're like, all right, we're going to go pick up the safe and take it back to my place and crack it open. So we go to the storage unit, open it, grab the safe. There's another safe there. Grab it. Um, go back to my house. And Ernie's like, I've done this before. Like, I got this. I got my tools. We're good. He has a fucking ram set. Do you know what a ram set is? No. It's, it's basically like you use it to drive uh, nails uh, to like... Uh, nail pressure treated two by fours to concrete. So it, it drives the nail into the concrete. It uses like a 22 caliber, like cartridge. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Now? Yeah. 
Yeah, you hit it with a hammer. Yeah. So he has one of those. He has like one of those shitty lockpick guns and like the, the clear plastic lock where you can see the pins and just like a shitty Ryobi circular saw with like a metal blade. I'm just like, bro, this isn't going to work. And his first attempt was to knock. We started on the small safe. He's going to knock the hinges out with the ram set. And he's like, get ready, bro. It's going to be loud. And I'm like, I've used the ram set before, bro. Just fucking do it. Like, this, this isn't going to work. Boom. Does it? Nothing. So his next idea is, I, I actually, I was like, dude, just grab that crowbar and just start trying to pry Feel it. it. Yeah. You know, it's a fucking $100 safe. It's a piece of shit. Right. When Bert sees this, he's going to laugh. But um, <laughs> so we're, I'm sitting there. I think I'm just smoking a cigarette, just like watching him struggle. Because he's like, I, I'm the safe cracker. I got this. So I'm like, all right, bud, just do what you do. And he's like, he's almost got it open. Like the prying it open was working. And fucking Ernie or Bert comes in and he's like, to keep in mind, our friend just died. So we're like hysteric messes. We're all crying and shit. And he walks in, he's like, what are you guys doing? That's my safe. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> we, we didn't realize. We thought they were both our other buddies safe that died. Right. So he's like, fuck it. Just, I, don't, I haven't even opened that thing in so long. I don't even know what's inside. So he busts it open and it's just like two or three ounces of this horrible hash that he was using to make edibles with. We all got a good laugh out of it. My dad was cracking up. And so we're like, all right, let's move on to the, the gun safe. And it was like a Liberty gun safe with like a digital um, keypad. And so I was like, well, your little lockpick gun's not going to do much. And we're not going to use the RAM set. So we got to cut it open and he, he starts using his Ryobi circular saw and he, it's just, it's not working. So I'm like, bro, just let me do this, please. So I had like a nice Milwaukee fuel, um, angle grinder and I start cutting, I flipped it over on the side and start cutting out the bottom and it was working like real easy. Like, Hey, this is not an instructional video on how to crack safes, by the way. Right. This is just my disclaimer. So I cut the bottom out and you know, like the shelves and safes, they're like sheetrock, like like three quarter inch sheetrock. Right. So I bust out the bottom shelf and it's just a bunch of ammunition, like a couple thousand rounds of like there's nine millimeter, 45, uh, five, five, six, seven, six, two. Um, I think there's some 12 gauge in there. So start pulling all that out and then break through the next shelf. And it's just like full of cash. And I started pulling it out. I think it was 20s. So they're like bands of 20s like that. And I'm, I'm like in, inside the safe because I'm little, you know, your size. So I, I got the, I was like the tunneler in Vietnam, you know, going into the tunnels first. So I go in and I'm pulling out these stacks of fucking money and handing them to the guys behind me. It ends up being like 32 grand in there in 20s. So we divvied that up. Then I bust through the last shelf and there was a gun, uh, gun case in there. And it was our buddy's, like his only gun that he had. And, you know, I wanted to keep it cause it was like, it had sentimental value to me. Cause like we would shoot it in his fucking basement all drunk and like shoot it camping and stuff, you know, right. smoking DMT, shooting the guns. Um, and then, so, yeah, so I was like, damn, that's like the only thing I have to remember this kid by. So I, I kept that. And they were like, oh, his roommates want the gun. And I was like, they can come and get it. So I kept that. And uh, 
So I, now I had a gun again. And then I acquired the other one through someone that owed me money, the AR-15. Right. Which was sweet. It was chambered in 300 blackout, which is an awesome round. And uh, so I had those two, but I was like, this just isn't enough, man. Like, I... <laughs> i live in a nice fucking neighborhood like they're gonna be coming you know it's gonna be bad so i see like the what did you think was gonna happen the looters were gonna come and try to take our food and our our women and you know it's (laughs) looters do what looters do so i was i just just want to be prepared you know so i see all these news stories about the ghost guns and like how it's this big problem and like they have these kits called polymer 80 kits and it's basically like a Glock frame and you have to, it comes with the drill bits. You have to drill out a couple holes where like the pins go to hold the trigger in place. And you like file down a couple pieces, like where the barrel goes. It takes me, I took, I did them in like 15, 20 minutes. Like they're super easy to make. Um, so I did that at first and you still have to go buy all the, like the other parts, but all the, the only part that is considered the firearm that you need to do a background check for is the frame. So you get around that by making the frame, these P80 kits. And then you could just, I would just walk into the gun store and just, or gun show and buy all the other parts I needed, the barrel, the slide, the trigger, all the internals, um, which was expensive, but I wasn't buying cheap parts. So like they were like thousand dollar clocks. Um, fifteen hundred two thousand dollar glocks but um eventually i'm like i want to look into this 3d printing shit because that sounds like pretty cool because i looked at the the new designs and like they were they're pretty sick um so i found this one design and it's called like the fgc9 it fuck gun control nine and uh (laughs) it was designed by this this german dude uh who went by Jay Stark. He was young. He was like probably 25 when 26, maybe when he released the design. And um, he actually ends up dying under like sketchy circumstances. Like the German, um, I think the BDF, the German um, special intelligence agency. They found out that he was the one pushing these 3d printed gun designs uh, so they raided his house, but they didn't find anything illegal, nothing to do with firearms, nothing. So they they couldn't arrest him. Two days later, he dies of a heart attack in front of his house. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Perfectly how, how, how old was he? Twenty eight when he died. Sketchy, right? Yeah, very suspect. Yeah. Yeah. And the only like. News article that said they tried to say he had like a like a, a birth defect in his heart. Like it was like he had heart disease, but the only place that said that was like this, like tabloid esque fucking German newspaper. So I, I think they killed him, but he was, a, he was a, a good dude and he just believed in freedom of speech and that everyone should have the right to defend themselves. And That's not so freedom he, of speech. That's the right to bear arms. Well, no, but putting out the designs and how oh, okay. it is freedom of speech. Okay. Yeah, the, the Supreme Court tried to shut these guys down for putting out these plans. Right. Like, or, or the ATF. Wait, what they hit the internet, right? They were. Yeah. Well, so the ATF tried to shut them down and they took it to the Supreme Court and won. And the Supreme Court's like, no, this is, they have the, the right to 
put this stuff out there. But once someone makes the gun, then it's a crime. Right. So there's tons of these gun plans out there for free. Just all you have to do is Google it. Like it's, it's accessible information. And so anyway, so this guy, Jay Stark, designed this gun, the FGC-9. And the FGC-9 was developed for people in countries where they don't have access to any gun parts. All you need is a 3D printer and like a couple of pieces of metal, some screws from Home Depot, and you can make a, a nine millimeter carbine. And it, it fucking works. Uh, it took Glock magazines, which you can also 3D print. Um, uses like, you know, AR buffer springs, AR uh, fire control group, like the trigger and stuff. So like you can, you can use gun parts in it, but you don't need them. So it was right. like revolutionary. Like now people that don't have access to, to gun parts or gun stores can make a real gun. So I was like, I want to do that. So I went on Craigslist. You what are you just, shaking your head about? You just can't. You just can't get right, can you? <laughs> I'm right now, bro. I'm doing good now. Okay, that's all that matters. So <laughs> I go on Craigslist and I buy a couple 3D printers. And it's not as it's not just like oh, you get a 3D printer, you download the plans, and you fucking print a gun. Like right. 3D printing is hard, bro. It's like it's a skill. It's an art form. So I get these 3D printers and I start doing like calibration prints and it took me a while to like dial it in and be able to just print like a fucking little toy. Right. So eventually I, it took like a few months. It was, it was hard. And um, yeah, eventually I, I got to the point where I, I started doing the prints. I started off with a, a Glock frame because that was easier. And it took some dialing in, but I eventually got it down. So I start th uh, 3D printing the FGC-9, which is like, it's broken down into like 30 different parts that you have to print. You have to print the stock, the upper receiver, the lower receiver, just everything, the uh, bolt carrier. So it's, it took me a couple of weeks to like print all these different parts. And then I had to go source the metal you need like a, a metal bar for the bolt, um, a little, I forgot. I think you use like an Allen wrench for like the, the slot or the thing you like cock it with. And, um, it was, it was like a pretty ingenious design. Like it was, it was cool. Use like JB weld to make the firing pin. Um, so eventually I, I got it together and it fucking, it worked. I printed this modification for it where it used a Glock barrel. Because otherwise you have to take like a piece of metal um, tube and then you 3D print the um, design of the rifling. You put that into the metal tube and then you hook like electrodes up to the metal tube. I might be going into too much detail here, but I'm sure some gun freaks will, you know, right. be interested in this. It was, it was super complicated to do it with, but it was easier with the, um, the block barrel. Block barrel. But they came up, these, these kids, they're kids, bro. They're brilliant. They came up with this way to rifle a piece of metal with, like, actual, like, usable right. rifling. And right. you, pump, you pump salt water through the piece of metal, and then the electrical current that you're pumping into the, into the metal, it makes the salt water eat away at the design that you, th you 3D print the design. It was sick. But 
I didn't have time for that. It was really hard to do. I tried to do it and it was, it was really complicated. So I just used the Glock barrel and it worked great. Um, and yeah, this thing took Glock magazines. I had a 50 round drum that I used for it. I'd had a red dot sight. Like it had a, uh, a rail system on it that, you know, you could use any optic that you'd normally use on an AR on this. So this thing was slick. And then you could print different like, uh, like hand guards. Um, they had all different types of mods for it. So you could use like an AR-15 uh, stock instead of the 3D printed one. So that was the first one that I like, I fully 3D printed. And it was, it was, it was just so cool to be able to, you know, make a fucking gun out of a bunch of plastic. It cost me like $15 maybe in plastic to print. So that thing, and they've seized those all over the world and like militia groups use them. Like it's a really popular design. Um, and I actually misspoke. It was the FGC nine Mark two that I did because the Mark one was a little less refined. So I did that. And then I started 3D printing like Glock frames and they have all different designs that you can print into the grip. So I had one with like a Mayan calendar on it. Um, one with, I think it was like a dragon. They're, they're sick. They look like some cartel guns, you know, like you could do like day of the dead shit on it. And I'm getting like all these, I'm getting like $300 triggers, like red dot sites, uh, Zebtech barrels and you know, have you heard of Zebtech? No. 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 Just like high-end Glock aftermarket parts. So like none of my Glocks have any Glock parts because Glock parts aren't the best. So I'm doing like they call them zero percent Glocks because none of the parts are actual Glock. Just know, the basic OEM. design. Just the design, which is an mm -hmm. amazing design, by the way. I, I love the Glock 19 and the Glock 17. Well, what are you doing with these things? Shooting them, bro. Like at, at first it was just like, I need guns to protect my castle. And then it's just like, I just got addicted to shooting them, bro. I was, it is during COVID. So like nine mil was like a dollar. Fuck. It was like a dollar 20 around or something crazy. So I got like a hundred dollar a day brass habit, bro. Like I'm just fucking chewing through ammo and ammo is hard to get at this point. Cause you go in nine mils, super popular. So the shelves are just cleaned out. So I'm just buying up, like going to every gun store in town, buying up ammo and just going out every day after work and just fucking shooting for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, which you can go through <laughs> Yeah. when you got 50 round magazines, that's, you know, $65 to fill a 50 round magazine it takes about four minutes to shoot one. And I was also, God, I don't know if I should be admitting a lot of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit, edit this out if you think it's bad, but um, Bro, don't, you know, don't say it because I'm not gonna edit. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna I'm, say it. They can't. It's there's no evidence to prove I'm telling the truth. I'm just making shit up right now. But <laughs> I was 3D printing. Uh, they call it a, a switch, and you put it on the. I'm not gonna tell you how to install it because that's right. against the community guidelines. But super easy to install, and it makes it turns your Glock into a full auto. Right. And this is like a print that takes like 15 minutes to print. Like it was a joke. Did, and, did you ever see that kid that put a, he put like, I don't know if it was a Glock, or whatever, like a nine millimeter. He put it on a drone <laughs> and you could fire the drone. So he, he had a drone and they would hover and he 
they sh- he did a video that went viral. <laughs> and he put it on oh, the drone, and then the drone hovers in front of a um, maybe fifteen or twenty feet away from a, a a target, and he fires. He fires at it. Boom, boom, and the the drone like does this. Boom. Oh, my buddy just pulled it up. Boom. boom. Yeah. I have a Colby now. <clears throat> wow, <throat> that's fucking. You know what they call that in America? Domestic terrorism. That I was going to say, yeah, that's exactly. So he thought he was super cool, right? Not. Oh yeah, it is he's just cool. a kid. And and then of course the ATF come. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even try and hide. Security didn't come, bro. That's fucking crazy. No, I'm saying he didn't even try and hide like who he was. Like put it on his own channel. They just came to his door. Like what are you? What are you doing? And he's that like, is what? Sick. That is cool. Oh my god. Yeah, God. I think he got in trouble too. I think he got yeah, in trouble for yeah, it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> but can't... he wasn't thinking. You know, he just thought, "Hey, look how cool this is." Like. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but it's it's even super illegal to drop stuff from a drone. Like my one buddy Bert, he would drop fucking drive blunts over to his homie's house in the neighborhood and drop blunt. That shit's fucking illegal as fuck. Oh yeah, there's guys that are doing it with drugs, taking drones and yeah, flying yeah. them and yeah. But when you're weaponizing drones on US soil, it's bad news. They have a problem with that. Yeah. No, it's I don't get it, but it you know I'm not going to question it. The guys who are making the laws, they're competent. They know what they're doing. I trust them. <laughs> so, so, you're so you're you're preparing for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I have my full auto Glocks with drum magazines because that's practical, and um, I'm also 3D printing suppressors, which is <laughs> what. It's not good. Hey, if so I what- do something, bro, I go all in. So what, how many of these things did you make? Well, it got to the point where I had it so dialed, I would just be like, eh, I kind of want a different color one. So I just order a different color and just, I have bins of pink. them, bro. No, pink. no pink. I did purple. Baby blue. Uh, baby blue was my favorite. It was called Azure Blue. And it was like this sparkly baby. It was sick, bro. And um, yeah, black, orange, just like, 3D printed gun guys, like they like to do like wacky colors, you know? Right. So yeah, I was just getting all different and I was getting different materials. So like normally I'd use PLA, which is like cheap and durable. And that's like what a lot of people, it's easy to print. But then I got into like, I got carbon fiber nylon, uh, which is just super durable, super difficult to print. Um, ABS. um, These are uh, filaments that you can't, print with a normal cheap 3d printer so i ended up getting super into the 3d printing part too i have like five 3d printers um like top of the line ones uh they're they're enclosed so that allows you to um use filaments that need a higher ambient temperature to print like abs carbon fiber that kind of shit so i'm just making them for fun basically not i wasn't like i didn't need more i literally had like totes full of 3D printed You're shit. Not selling them on the dark web. No. No. Was that convincing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you feel you were prepared for the apocalypse? Is what I'm saying. Did you have enough to feel like I, I've got this? No. Be- Never got to that point. No. 
I'm one of those guys that's like just never satisfied. I always got to push the envelope. And so I ended up being able to get legitimate guns to supplement my collection with. And I got like a Kimber 1911, uh, a PS90. Have you ever played Call of Duty? No. No? No. I mean, I I just got out of prison and, you know, I've got other things to do. I didn't have a lucrative... I didn't have a uh, lucrative uh, uh, hash business, you know, that will hey, allow, really, allowed I, me I really call of duty in like 10 years, but that allowed me 10 hours a day to play. Oh, I wish bro. Yeah. You were just writing fucking fake or making fake mortgages. And yeah, you, you had no, I, I was, I, was <laughs> I had things to do. I was working 15 hours a day bro. I was working hundred hour weeks, but Back in the day in like middle school, I would play Call of Duty. So I knew all the Call of Duty guns. So I got like a 5.7, FN 5.7, FN PS90, uh, Scorpion Evo. Um, I had a bunch of like pretty cool guns. I had like a seven millimeter Rem Mag, like hunting rifle, which is like, they're like seven millimeter Rem, seven millimeter Rem Mag is a gnarly round. But yeah, I had like a couple AR uppers that I went and bought because you could just buy those without a background check. And right. then I'd print the lowers. So I had a few ARs. I actually had uh, a 45 ACP uh, Banshee, which is uh, CMMG makes them. And they're, it was like a $1,600 AR. It was pretty sick. Took Glock magazines. That was when I felt ready. I was ready at that point. I had, I had a nice collection. And I was still and, 3D printing shit for fun. And then they lifted the restrictions. <laughs> you were like, oh, man. Yeah. That and was I was just like, well, at least I have all these guns to shoot. So, but ammo is still fucking expensive. So that, that was still, that was like what I was spending most of my money on was ammo at that point. And, you know, uh, I yeah, say, I mean, I, what? I was going to say, Boziak was so convinced that the entire supply chain was going to break down he he we went out and spent three hundred dollars on like a um top ramen you know soup <laughs> and, and water and canned uh canned white chicken breasts and huh i hate the canned white chicken <clears throat> i love it and we bought all this stuff and then nothing happened so now i've just got a bunch of boxes and boxes of doomsday we drank all the water Boziak eats that shit up, bro. Like I, I heard him a couple on, I think it was, you guys went on concrete. Oh, he, he, loves about it. It. <laughs> he, he, he really will. And he's so convincing. He will really convince you that like something like, you know, you don't understand like all the, like the Chinese are going to do this and the, all the power plants are, you know, he'll go on and on. He's so overly convincing. And now I realized it just, no matter what he says, it's just like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, in you say days, you watch not those gonna conspiracy happen. videos on YouTube every time you walk in, you're like, this is depressing. Yeah, you can't you can't let him watch these videos. You really need to take take him away from him because he'll go on a two day bender on some subject and he'll know everything about it. And then he'll walk around and talk about how the world's gonna end, you know, and then <laughs> a week later he's on to something else and you're just like, Okay, well, it didn't end. You were so sure. Yeah, I know, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, 
Yeah, but I mean, he he's not as bad as like. Don't get me wrong. Like, he seems like a cool guy. I'm not knocking him, but you know, people fall down down those rabbit holes, and but some of them aren't like nearly as informed. Like, he actually like sounds convincing because he does a ton of research because he he sits around the tattoo parlor 10 or 12 hours a day and just watches these videos do you know who canadian <laughs> prepper is? i've heard boziak talking about him yeah yeah he, he loves him loves him yeah and that, I mean, that, guy, dude cool. that guy's insane too he's <laughs> always telling you about how things are about to end and this and then it doesn't happen he, he just never addresses it again he moves on to another subject it's like wait a second you said washington was about to be taken over by the military. What happened to that? Hey, that, that might still happen, bro. The that was last boys. week. Things have changed. <laughs> now we're concerned about this asteroid. <laughs> it's yeah. coming towards the end. What are you talking about? Now well, we're I'm talking sure to the Russians like, are invading. Yeah. But, They're I mean, when guys like that say it, I'm like, you're a conspiracy theorist nut. But when yeah. Bustamante says... China is going to like, I believe that shit fucking wholeheartedly. He's, he's, he's got me scared shitless of China, bro. You're not buying it either. Well, I, I mean, I don't know what, what his take on China is. What, what is it? Oh, you what, heard, oh bro. What's so he you haven't listened to the, the uh, one he did with um, Sean Ryan or the one he did with Julian. I don't, I don't listen to those guys. I don't listen. And I don't watch YouTube barely. I watch stuff. I watch stuff about like Mars and you, you got to make like, time to watch Bustamante's stuff, bro, because it is, I mean, it's compelling. I, and, I get it. But I mean, like, what's he talking about? Is he talking about China? Uh, is it talking about an invasion of Taiwan? That's part of it. Um, okay. But it's just how, like, China is setting up these, they'll, they'll go into a country. I don't want to misspeak here, but this is the gist of it. They go into a country and they say, hey, we'll give you money to set up this port. We'll do the construction. We'll give oh, you yeah. Chinese people. To, to work it and we'll get a, in exchange for like a hundred year lease on the port. We get to use it and we'll, you know, you guys can use it, whatever. And then he's saying that when shit hits the fan, they're going to turn that into like a, like a military. Right. Outpost. And they have those all over the world. Yeah. So I know they, that not through Bustamante, but through just listening to other people, the generals and other, um, other like scientists and stuff talking about, you know, political scientists and stuff talking about how they, yeah. or they'll lend money to a country that can't pay it back. And then when they can't pay it back, they go in and they just take it over. And now they own a piece of their, they own a piece of their country. Yeah. <laughs> so but the way they go about it is like, Hey, we're your friends. We're going to help you. Here's some right. money. So people want their, and they're countries that we won't work with for whatever their political views aren't aligned with ours and yeah, the Belkin road initiative right exactly that that whole thing and but also like they well, i think it's it's something crazy like the number of law students in the u.s like the amount of them that are chinese immigrants they get their law degrees here and then they go they get jobs like i don't even think it's just law but they get jobs in the banks here um, the government, like all kinds of shit. And, and then they go back to China to work for like three months and come back. And it's like, what are they doing when they go back? Who are they reporting to? Right. It sounds kind of crazy, but it's like, you make it sound like the Chinese are underhanded. Like they would steal our intellectual property or I know, plot I, against us. 
That's that would never happen. That's so that's so unlike the Chinese. They're good people. They make iPhones. Right. Exactly. They make everything. They're, they make films. Friends. They made the last. Um, uh, what was the panda movie? Kung Fu Kung, panda. They made the last P- Kung Fu Panda. They're good people. Yeah. No one. No one to fear. No. And yeah, I, I can't just, wait till they invade uh, Taiwan. We see how that goes. I'm thinking it's going <laughs> to well, go bad for them. I think Bustamante was saying that it was going to be over. No, it was going to be like a bloodless war. Like they're yeah. That, I I haven't watched it in a long Seriously time. Seriously, doubt that. You the, just got to watch it. Taiwanese bro. have been preparing for that forever, and I don't see the United States letting the Chinese get a stranglehold on, um, on the you know, the microchip or silicon chips or whatever. No, it's the, chip. it's the um uh, processors or whatever. I don't see them letting the Chinese semiconductors. Yeah, semiconductors. I don't yeah. let them. I don't see the U.S letting them get a whole getting a, a stranglehold on 80% of the world's semiconductors. Yeah, and no, um, like Biden, Biden will step right in just like he did in Syria when uh, they started using chemical weapons. He's going to step right in and put his foot down. This is the line that they can't cross. Can you sense the sarcasm? He didn't in Syria. Well, he did on, in in um uh in Ukraine. No, he didn't. He's giving them our fucking stockpiles of old shit. And there's no U.S. troops on the ground. No, but no, I think I listen. They've got boats over there now. They're going to trust me. They're already sending troops in. They sent advisors in. They they're giving them weapons. Yeah, it's a proxy war, bro. We're I don't have a problem with a proxy war. Yeah, but that's not him stepping in. Well, I don't think the United States. Well, no, I actually think the United States may get involved into the in the Taiwan. The problem is this is that if the Chinese try and invade Taiwan, it, it will take about two or three days for the U.S. to get um, our carriers there. Oh, yeah. So, no, not so if they can defeat them in two or three days, now you got a problem. Well, they're saying that the Taiwanese can can hold up for a few days. Right. That's the but... whole thing is can you hold out long enough for us to get there? And then will the Chinese go head to head with the U.S.? Doubtful. They're, yeah. they're not going to they don't want to take that on. And not just that, we all we have to do is put a um is embargo and, and they're gonna be starving to death in six months. <laughs> Stop ships from going there. They got a problem. They can't feed themselves. Yeah, but I mean the rich will be able to feed like it's gonna be the villagers and the you know the poor people that they can't I mean, feed. I don't think they're too concerned about that. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see how it plays out. We got a Listen. few more years, we got another year or two. Uh, Bustamante predicts that it's going to be before the Biden administration ends. So we got less than a year. We'll see. A little over a year. But yeah, we'll see. I don't feel like I'm nearly qualified enough. I haven't watched enough YouTube. Oh, I'm I'm certainly not. Yeah. This is just me just, and I, all my knowledge comes from YouTube, which is even worse. Anybody can post a YouTube video. Yeah. But I mean, Bustamante to me is a credible source of, that type of information, um, you know, I I don't believe everything he says, but he makes some very very good points. I think he's still working for the CIA. He, this is misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very, very, very possible. They sent them out here. They probably still have them on the page on the payroll. This yeah. is the disinformation we want you to put out there. Got yeah, it. this is the narrative we want you to push. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. He does say some things that I could see them not wanting him to say, but maybe that's just to make us think. Uh, that's just, yeah. Know, part it's of the like throw that and make it more credible. Yeah, more exactly. That's shit. Unless you sprinkle some of this out there just to make you seem more credible. Now um, he's definitely not going to call you back. No, no. I'll, I don't think I'll ever talk to him again. <laughs> but um, anyways, where were we? Uh, ghost guns. You're making silencers. Bump yeah, stops. Um, oh yeah, drop on the internet. You made. No, no, you don't. You don't need to make bump stocks. Bump stocks because you can just make a drop in auto sear, which uh, you know what that is. You just no. Okay, I can't talk about how you install it, but it's basically a drop in piece that converts a semi automatic AR into a full auto AR, and it takes about twenty minutes to print, and. Mm. I never used one, but I heard they work mm. really well. Mm. Um, it's but not good. yeah, so I, I, this whole thing feels like a a, a fresh indict, a federal indictment to me. That's what I was saying, bro. Like I should be doing a thirty piece in the feds right now, but thank God the the cops are either lazy or incompetent. Nobody's going to recognize you because you have the glasses the on, the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're good. You're good. There's no evidence of any of this stuff. I mean, it's I understand. destroyed. So. I hear you. I hear you. Um, my two A buddies will have my back if anything does happen. I need you to start a GoFundMe. For my I'll lead. put money on your books. I got you. All right, perfect. I got you. You're gonna be good. We'll do another podcast over the jail phone. Yeah, over the um, you'll get a a contraband cell phone. <laughs> yeah. In the camp. Well, you're probably this. You did probably go to a low with it. You this is this is definitely a low. Really? Yeah. Just you know, anytime guns are involved, they have an I issue. Thought, why wouldn't guns send you to like a medium or a pen? I mean, it's possible, but this is simply again. There are you 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 know there is no gu actual guns, so right. So, None of this know. happened, bro. It's all they're just telling stories over here. Just a guy telling stories. <laughs> so what so okay i got it so so you were ready and then nothing ever happened yeah this whole thing is just silliness and you you what happened with all these 3d printers you sell them or you throw them away would you i were you disappointed I them, but when i got raided um i had they there's pictures of my discovery of i had a room we had a spare bedroom that i made into my office Right, And I had all my printers set up in there. I think I had like three when I got raided. So they're in the landfill somewhere. Um, Were you disappointed that the entire thing didn't come? Honestly, yeah. I know. I, I feel like Boziak is disappointed that that the entire economy and the, just, just like the, the, the supply chain. Like he's – I feel like he's genuinely – disappointed that the entire system hasn't collapsed because he has told me in the last two years i have heard at least seven or eight different times where he has told me that the entire system is about to collapse yeah and he is and it's never happened he's genuinely disappointed when they pull it off and it doesn't collapse 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I put so much effort into preparing for it to collapse and it didn't. And I'm just like, I can't get that time back. Have At least you pull guns? Have you ever watched these guys? The the um the preppers, the you know, doomsday preppers. Yes, doomsday preppers. Yeah, of course. Love that show, bro. If I had the money, I'd be living on a fucking plot of land, off the grid, an armory, like a walk-in safe with just guns all over the place, um, crazy security systems, like indoor outdoor range. I'd be ready, bro. But I don't have that kind of money right now, so. Listen, my my I watched it, and my favorite one was the guy that had dropped, he dropped like shipping container crates in a big square. Like he had a whole compound. I don't know how how he he pulled all this off. He had canned goods. He had um, canned like fruits and all kinds of stuff. He had a yep. whole system. This guy could literally live for years in the compound. And he had a a, a water, uh, dis, uh, I want to say distillery. What do they call it? Uh, uh, where you can clean, you know, yeah, like clean water. You could from the rain. You could and like reverse, could, reverse osmosis, probably tons of bottled water. He had um, what do you call? Um, he had solar panels. He yep. had a, a gas or a diesel generator. He yeah, had, that's what I meant by off the grid. Like you know, uh, solar panels, wind turbines. Um, all that stuff. And like my whole, I've always wanted an underground bunker always. And I've, there's, I've a, there's a, there's a guy on YouTube that built one in his backyard in England. Oh, the, a like a Connex with a Connex, like a What's... shipping container. No, no, no. This was you he, built a he, real one, a real one. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've contacted cause like before I got raided, I had money and I contacted, uh, there's a company out here that builds them. And I was going to do like a, like a little one. It was like 80 grand um, concrete. They come in all discreet. Um, they pull the permits. Like it was legit. And uh, that didn't end up happening in time. But I was like this close, bro, to having my dream come true. I, I was going to have a gun room in it, a little sleeping area, a little TV video game area. It was going to be sick. But I'm, yeah. Nah. Was it? There's another YouTube guy that makes stuff, or it's the same guy that made the underground um, bunker. He made like a, like a hovercraft, um, <laughs> like a motorcycle hovercraft. He made all kinds of stuff. He's got like in the triple X, uh, the like second or third triple X movie, the third one, garbage movie. By the way, don't watch it. I haven't watched the second. They have those. Uh, I did watch the second one with a uh, ice cube. No, the second one had Ice Vin Cube. Diesel? I don't know about the third. The first one had Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. Second yeah. one had Ice Cube. Right. Third one had Vin Diesel again, but it was trash. Yeah. Well, I never watched that one. Yeah, don't. They had a hovercraft. It. They had a hovercraft. Uh, maybe were they hovercrafts? Did they just like converted from a motorcycle to like like a water, like a jet ski, like with a button and just like skis popped out, and they're just like. Racing oh, each other in the fucking water is so corny. stupid, you know. But I mean, some guy actually pulled off making a hovercraft motorcycle. That's pretty impressive. Oh, it's it's very cool, very cool. Yeah, he's got a bunch of things. He's got like flamethrowers. You know, he's got Elon um, Musk. Did that. That's old news. I'm sorry, Elon Musk. No, it's you not haven't Elon seen Musk. that. No, 
Alex, pull up Elon Musk flamethrower. <laughs> you got what are you? Okay, this is my listen. buddy Danny Pacquiao, by the way. <laughs> What's up, man? What's going on? He's at the halfway house with me. You're like, <laughs> this is your Colby. They call, yeah, they call him Fanny Pacquiao because he always has this little fanny pack full of goodies. Um, hold on. Um, wait, wait, hovercraft. Fire experts criticize Elon Musk's flamethrower. Yeah, you just Google Elon Musk flamethrower and it comes right up. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't see this, bro. Like everyone, like in like whatever office he's working in, they all have them. They're like super easy to make. Well, see, this wasn't a hovercraft. This was a. I thought we were oh, talking flamethrowers. No, this. Uh, in, um, oh, this one's pretty cool. All these guys are. This is the same guy that did the. None of these are it. Well, this one's cool. Of course, this is. So here's what. It, uh, let's go. This is the guy who did the. Um, bunker in the backyard. Oh, here it is. This is the guy. Backyard underground bunker tour. He shows how he made an underground backyard. And this is, and I'm pretty sure he's English. Text it to me. Look at it. You got to see this, though. Look at this. Bro, you might have to have Colby, like, crop this in. This is, this is so sick, bro. Wait. Wait. What? Is it playing? No, here. Turn it around. Oh, here we go. Way. <laughs> Elon Musk for president 2028. Look at oh, that. yeah, he's the best, right? He wasn't born here, though. You've never seen this? No. <laughs> he's just walking around like the office with a fucking flamethrower. Unfortunately, Elon Musk was not born here, so he can't run for president. I thought Barack Obama wasn't born here. Isn't that what I'm That's saying? not true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> what is this guy? This is the guy. He is this the hoverboard? I want to send you the hoverboard one for this guy. Pretty. Yeah, I just sent you the one. Yeah, I just got it. Did you hear it? The ding. The ding. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely English. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> okay. This, so that's that one. I'm gonna. I'm key. I'm continually. I'm still looking for the one. Fire breathing backpack. That's fucking awesome. Uh, this guy makes all kinds of amazing things. Oh, by the way, you can 3D print a flamethrower. Uses diesel fuel. Pretty nice. Uses diesel. Fuel. I didn't. I didn't do it. I. I like my skin on my body. What is this? Come on. Oh, yeah. Then he made this arm-mounted hydraulic jaws where you cut through stuff. Like jaws of life. Yeah, exactly. You could, like, cut through. Oh, he's got these, look, um, real hydraulic scissor lift shoes. I need those. <laughs> um, what else does he have? Come on. He's got so many. You know what's so funny is I remember sending a bunch of these to, to Jess. Because when I found his channel, I was so like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. Is he selling those hydraulic lift shoes? You and I could use a pair. I don't think he's selling them. He made a full-sized um, uh, TIE fighter from Star Wars. 
Stop it. Full size. It's it's amazing. It's so cool looking. Is this guy like a mechanical engineer by trade? I don't know. But listen, his his YouTube channel is insane. Like every video, 3.8 million views. Yeah, 1.8 million. 4.2 million. 4.7 million. Every video. Yeah, I'm subscribing for sure. Yeah, you got to look for this. I can't find it right now. This would, but the, the hovercraft that he makes, you know, it's like it's like a bicycle that just hovers. Like he can, he hovers and can fly around. Like it was, it's insane. And he explains how like it was trial and error, and eventually he figured it out. And he shows himself, you know, and he'll show you everything how he did it and, and everything. It's it's insane. That's amazing. He, oh, here it is. Oh, ooh, here it is. <laughs> homemade hover what is it uh hover bike that's what it was i dude i wonder if we could have those at the halfway house what? the hover bike we can have bikes look it's like a hovercraft bike yeah god bro you have to see this this thing is insane text it to me 51 million views <laughs> i just honestly this class is not more 51 million views i mean that's oh insane. yeah we can't have that at the halfway this, house this no. guy i've never met a guy more prepared for the apocalypse this right? guy it's yeah it's it's and, and even even his bunker it's hidden like it's like a little trap door you'd never know it he's got a rug you pull it apart open the trap door and the, the trap door is in a it's in a, like a little shed in the back you yeah never that was know my plan I was going to do a shed and then just like have the floor lift up, like hidden what, under a rug. And so you climb down the stairs and then you walk through a tube and there's a door and you open the door and it's this huge room. Yeah. It's probably like the corrugated drain pipe, right? Like those giants. Yes. Yeah. That's what that, that was exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got an amazing. Yeah. I got to link up to that guy. Yeah. He's ready. But yeah. Back to the 3d printed stuff. The, the flamethrower made me think about all the new shit because I went on and like looked at the designs that they've released since I stopped. And I, I mentioned the, the hand grenade last time. You just It's like with black powder and ball bearings. It's like, I don't, I'm never going to need that. But I guess if the world was ending, it might not be bad to have. But these are like, you know, 30, 40 minute prints and you have a fucking hand grenade. Like that's a problem. I don't, I don't, I don't really support that kind of information being out there. They have 3D um, printed launchers um i mean all kinds of shit bro it's it's insane it's come so you world war z yeah that was actually just on the halfway house last week it's a great movie <laughs> i don't like zombie movies are you serious yeah no i, I love zombies. you're a walking dead fan i've no. i love walking dead but my my problem with world war z is that the zombies were so fast like i don't yeah. feel like i could get away from those zombies i need <laughs> zombies that are manageable yeah <laughs> you know that i feel like i got a chance <laughs> you know the i the world war z guys no you don't have a chance like just I, any one of them but the the ones if any one of them would kill me but i feel like the the walking dead ones like i could i could outrun them i could outsmart i could get away away from those guys yeah they're like traditional zombies that walk right all let's yeah exactly i'm good with that i'm good with traditional i like a traditional zombie what was the the first zombie movie that that one was actually good Night it's of the like, Walking yeah. is it Walking Dead? Night of the Walking Dead. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good movie. Yeah, they had. Then they had like one and two. They end up hiding in like a mall. I haven't seen that one. The first one, they're on like a in a uh, farmhouse, right? 
Which one are you talking about? This is like from the 50s. Like this is like the OG. Yeah. Tsunami. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're in a farmhouse. I don't know. I'll do some research. I'll yeah. make Jeff watch them. I make her watch all kinds of stuff. She's, she's got to be irritated. She, she, you know, it's, you know, that your girlfriend's like, or your wife or your, your partner is like in love with you when she'll put up, she knows you're an knucklehead and she just kind of, you know, she's like, she just entertains you. She's like, okay, I'll no, You want to watch that? Sure. I'll spend two hours watching a program that I absolutely don't want to watch, but I'll do it because I know that you want me to watch it, even though I don't want to watch this. Yeah, Jess Absolutely. sounds like a trooper. She tolerates you. She tolerates yeah. me. So she's like, okay, yeah, I'll watch I'll watch uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, which may very well be one of the most boring movies I've ever watched in my life, but I'll watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> what You know what I want to <laughs> do is someday when I get enough time, I'm going to recut. I'm going to re, I'm going to edit 2001 Space Odyssey. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. So it, it's, it's an hour and a half too long. So I'm going to cut out about an hour. I think I can cut out an hour of it and make it, make it tolerable. <laughs> yeah. That'd be much improved. Yeah. But you finished yeah. Ozark, right? Or did you just start it? Okay. So I did not, I just found out that they, the last season is complete. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to watch the, the last few episodes. Like, well, I watched so part good. of it. Huh? It's so it's so good. It's one of my favorite shows. I've watched everything except for probably the last four or five episodes. Yeah, that's a great show. Jason Bateman was amazing in that. But you got to watch more TV, bro. You got to balance. Life's all about balance. <laughs> you're, you're all work, no play. I, no. What? <laughs> she goes, I got some balance for you. <laughs> um. <laughs> I feel like I, I watch too, I, you know, to me, TV is such, even though I, I, hold on. What? I feel like it's a waste of time. I do like watching TV, but I feel like it's a waste of time. I always feel, I don't know. I always feel like I, do you think we watch a lot of TV? Yeah, we go through spells. Like we'll consume, we'll yeah. spend like a week watching a series like from like let's say seven until like eight thirty at night, like every night for like a week or two weeks, and then we're done, and then we have like a week where we don't watch anything at all, you know, or after you, yeah, you know, and then we'll get consumed by something, and oh, during let's say a Saturday, we'll watch like eight episodes of something, finish it off <laughs> that the next throughout the week, and then we're done with it, and then it's, and then I, you know, then I'll stay up till. 10 o'clock at night editing and doing other stuff. And then a week will go by and then we'll start watching something else. And, but I do, I feel like it's, I very much feel like it's a waste of time. Cause I feel like I have, I could be doing other things. Yeah. You know, like that's, how, that's how I think like most of the time, like I, I just like learning. So I feel like it's more productive and uh, trying. Like I wake up early in the morning. I wake up at like early, bro. Like, well, my roommates wake me up at, you know, between four and five. So why they, what do they do? They get up and go to work. And then even on the days they don't go to work, they just get up early. And was it halfway house guys? That's the, how many people are in your room? Uh, there was 10. And then one of our roommates just went, he got regressed today. Um, Oh man, listen, this is the worst when they, cause it's so hard to sleep because guys are coming in late at night 
Guys yeah. are leaving early in the morning. They're completely yeah. inconsiderate, banging doors, slapping things, knocking things down. It's just like slamming, yeah, slamming drawers, and turn on the lights at five in the morning. That's my favorite. Yeah. How many guys were in your room? Um, I want to say there was, I think there was like nine beds. There's probably eight other guys, and we have we have twelve beds, but they they keep like a couple empty. But right. how many? How many? You had your own bathroom in your room, right? Yeah. How many toilets and showers? I, there was two showers. I want to say there was two toilets and one urinal. That's what I, wow. I, I, I think that's true. You guys have made, bro. We, we have one toilet, one shower, no oh. urinal. For it's, eight yeah, or nine long. guys? for ten, That's nine, nine or ten. ten yeah. I'm sure we'll get another. We'll get a tenth in the next couple of days. But. Mm. Yeah, there was just this whole thing. This kid that we're friends with uh, was texting a bunch of people to get drugs. And he brought his phone into his room, which you can't do. And when that happens, they go through all your messages. And he didn't delete any of his messages. So he got five other clients jammed up. One of them was my roommate. And he had this whole plan to lie his way out of it. And they're, they're like, no, nah, dude, you're done. So he's off to prison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Bro, he was in there on a charge from 2019. They gave him 18 months probation. He was about, how long was Philip in on probation? A year? Uh, he was almost done with his probation. And he didn't finish his eight hours of community service. So they gave him a year in the halfway house. And he's halfway done with his halfway house. And he just gets regressed and he goes to prison. Yeah, well, you know, that's just stupidity. It's just... <laughs> Honestly, if he had just told the truth, he'd probably be fine. But they don't like it when you try to outsmart him. He's like, oh, they got to prove this and prove that. I'm like, bro, it's not a court of law. They don't have to prove anything. <laughs> they don't believe what you're saying. You're done. You can tell that to them, to the police officer, to the judge, to the guy driving the bus on his way to your way to prison, to the prison officials, <laughs> to the your your your. Your Delegate. unit manager in prison, your bunkie, your <laughs> the whole way through, you could talk about how they can't do this. Yep. And so, they can. That's like Chris Marrero. Like, they can't force you to pay taxes, really. <laughs> well, you're right. They can't force you to pay it, but they can't throw you in prison for not paying it. Yeah, so, exactly. They can't do this. Listen, I listened to him for like five or six years telling me how, how they can't do this to him. Well, you know, I don't know about you, Chris. But I feel like they're doing it. Yeah, right. That's the whole thing. They can't. No, but they are. They are. You know why? Because you were, you were at lunch this morning or today. You were at dinner. You were here during count. You were here yesterday during count. You know, like, they look be here tomorrow. Like they can. Yeah. Which is illegal. <laughs> I hate Maybe. that. Shit. I hate the guys that are like, oh, we're it's illegal for them to tax us and we're entitled to all this money and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's then like, why are you it. here? Yeah. <laughs> like, have you, you know about gang stalking? Oh, yeah. Bro, I cannot. That. You don't believe that shit, right? Well, gang stalking? No. Okay, thank God. I was going to say you can leave. If that's the case. I, I, listen, I talked to a guy that was telling me he wanted to do a video on it, how he said he'd oh. been targeted. Fuck no, dude. It's, it's like just paranoia, drug-induced paranoia. Like, oh, oh, yeah, all these shop owners and business owners are going they're taking time out of their day to, to make your you. life miserable. Right. Yeah. 
So this is this is when you're put on some list and people basically walk around and follow you and stare at you, right? And they and it's business owners, um, government people, um, like upstanding citizens. Like these people don't have time to fucking follow you around and and so tease I, you or you know. I did a so I did a um I did a a video on a guy they called the Golden Eyed Bandit. Go a golden eye bandit from like uh James Bond. Yeah, from James Bond. He robbed like four um banks and he wore these these glasses that were rimmed. And so they gave him the nickname, the media gave him the nickname the golden eye bandit. Anyway, after the video was over, he started telling me about it. He said he had to leave the United States because it was happening to him in Vegas, and I think it was Las Vegas. And then it was nonstop happening in him. And he absolutely, it was driving him nuts. And it went on for months and months. And so he finally just went to Mexico and he lives in Mexico now. How much meth was he smoking? He, it, it, was, it was heroin. Oh, um, heroin. It may have, there may have been some meth in there, but I think it was heroin. But yeah, he, he, um, he was telling me about it. I was like, I don't, that doesn't even make sense. Like, what are you, I'm telling you. And he, he went on and on about it. He said, if you want to do a video on it, we can. I was like. Okay, well, let me look into it. And he sent me a couple videos, but it just sounds like, like you said, drug-induced paranoia. Yeah, like in Fort Collins. So there's like Old Town Fort Collins, and it's like, I don't know, it's it's pretty old. And they say that there's this tunnel system underneath Fort Collins, and the gang stalkers take uh, people down there and like rape them and beat them and rot. I'm like, but there's no evidence of this, of course, just no. like you know, hearsay, but it's just that everyone in jail, oh yeah, gangster, gang stalking me too, bro. And it's like, bro, you're some fucking loser with your face full of tattoos who is homeless. Like no one is, no one cares that you exist. Right. You're not going to fucking risk their livelihood to make your life miserable. It's like they, they want to make themselves feel important. (laughs) Right. Exactly. No, it's like an ego thing. Like, oh, I'm so, I'm such a, menace to society that these people won't leave me alone yeah, it's the sovereign citizens it's like you never meet a sovereign citizen living in a two million dollar house driving like a hundred thousand dollar mercedes they're always like living in a box or someone's spare room or they can't <laughs> that's another thing no that car. About the sovereign citizen shit yeah it's like i don't understand like you never meet one where it actually works to their advantage <laughs> it's always really just something to justify their meager existence you <laughs> well know I know some, I, I'm I'm in the know. You're a fool. I'm a fool. I live in a nice house and I have a car. Yeah. Like, I live in someone's spare room and you're taking the bus. How yeah. am I an idiot? Yeah, right. You're paying taxes, but I can pay taxes. Yeah. You you can't feed yourself. <laughs> so yeah, I have a full fridge. I'm the idiot. Yeah, I, I feel yeah, don't I feel silly? <laughs> I think I'm a I think I'm a, a citizen of the United States government. You sucker. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, right. Hey, it's each their own, you know? Right. Well, how that work when you went in front of the judge and you were yelling about the fucking fringe on the flag and how they can't do this to you? Well, at that point, they, they put a shock collar on me and a gag <laughs> ball in my mouth. <laughs> Zip tied me, my hands behind my back and I sat there while they were sentencing me going, mm, mm. <laughs> like, you can't do this. Well, apparently they can. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got 12 years. <laughs> So, yeah, I've met a, quite a few of those guys. Yeah, there's there's a 
a few of them in the halfway house. Um, what was the guy? And there was a, there was a whole group of them when I first got the low, uh, the low security prison at Coleman. There was a group of them that used to sit in the uh, in the library, and they had just installed a camera in the library, and they were telling me that they meet there, and that when the when the prison found out that they have their meetings in the library, they installed the they installed the camera to keep an eye on them. And they believed that they also installed a microphone, although they couldn't see it. They said there is definitely, it's definitely, it's mic'd up for sure. And I was like, you know, guys, I feel like they've got you. you know, <laughs> I hear you. I don't feel like they need to build a case against you. I feel like everybody here at this table has a minimum of five years and they got you. Some of you guys managed to get your dumb asses 12, 15, 12 to 15 years, but I really feel like they've, they've got you under control. They have you exactly where they want you. Yeah. No, no, you don't understand. They know we're about to get out. Are you, yeah. or are you really about to get yourself shipped to the medium? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. dude, I had, I had one celly. He had like, I, it must've just been like some nerve damage or something. And he's like, he said he went to the hospital. He had like these burns on his hand. And he's, I was like, well, do you know what it is? And he's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what it is. They installed these, um, these chips in my hand and it's my body's like rejecting them. And like, it's like a microphone or I'm just like, of course they did. Yeah. How do you know that? Who, who, who installed them? Well, the, the government. I was like, when he's like, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I was like how do you not know? You didn't know that they're cutting your hand open and slipping microchips in your hand. It's just like the crazy the craziest shit when you're incarcerated. Yeah. I had a guy one time that I literally, so at one point I worked in the library. Right. And when I was at the, uh, was I at the medium? Yeah. I was at the medium and I worked for the, in the library for about, I don't know, six months. You know, I worked as a GED tutor, but there was about a six month span where I just worked in the library with another guy. Well, two other people. And I talked to this guy for three months. This one guy, we talked about movies. We talked about stuff like, you know, the stupid shit you talk about in prison. Like what would make a great remake? What was your favorite movie? What's like, you know, we just, this really in-depth conversation. Who's your favorite superhero? If you could <laughs> have a superpower, what would it be? You know, these are, these are prison conversations, um, it, you know, at a medium security prison where, you know, not much is happening and you're basically just sitting there checking books in and out for guys that can't take the books anywhere. Really. They like, they go to their unit and, you know, you might send them a, put them on the call out to say, Hey, where'd that book go that you took out a month ago? Like, this is just stupid work. And we were talking one day and I forget what happened. This guy was totally normal. And one day we were in the middle of a conversation and something happened. And I was like, and, and I told him that I was thinking about filing a motion, this and that. He said, yeah, I said, uh, what'd he say? Something about something about his case. And I said, Oh, I said, are you fighting it? He said, well, I mean, I can't, he said, not, not since they, not since all of the, they, they destroyed all the, uh, um, Oh, Oh, they, he thought Tim, Timothy McVeigh bombed. Yes. The, the FBI building to destroy his evidence. I remember his evidence. About that. And I was like, was your case out of Oklahoma? He was no. like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Orlando. I remember 
saying that. That's so funny. And I was like, well, he's like, no, they were keeping all the evidence in the Oklahoma uh, um, building and the FBI yeah. office. And I was like, well, <laughs> why would they keep it at an FBI building? He's like, so they could destroy it. Because <laughs> you're so important. <laughs> <laughs> and then how many children died in this? Like they, they did all that to like, he's like, yeah, to keep me here. I'm like, well, I feel like they've got you. Yeah, like, I don't right? feel like they, they would go through all of that instead of maybe they could just say, we're keeping you. Yeah. We're keeping yeah. you. Like if they could go I mean, through all that. He's died. Like they're going to, yeah. I mean, this is a guy. And what's so funny is like the guy had like a 30 year sentence <laughs> and he'd been in on for like five or 10 years and he's already in his late fifties. Like, I don't feel like they have to murder a hundred and some odd people and 30 children to keep you for the duration of your 30 year prison sentence. Wait, how long had he been there? Like I don't know, five or 10 years or something. Like it was, it was, listen, it was such a bizarre, like, like this guy's got like 20 years to go. And it's like, they're going to do all that to keep you here. Like, I feel like they have you. And if they really, if they were willing to do all of that, why wouldn't they just kill you? So like they got the Oklahoma you in City bombing was in 1995. Okay. It doesn't even make sense. Well, like, I, so. when, when was I locked up? He'd been there for, let's say, 10 years. Okay. So, was, uh, so okay. roughly he'd been there still, 10 years. The timeline makes sense. It's still. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. The timeline made sense to him. Right. Regardless. Maybe he'd been locked up 15 or 20 years. He filed something and they blew it. Like whatever it was, he's insane. Yeah, exactly. So I just and I just remember thinking up until this point, I would have told you this guy was completely, um, you know, mentally stable. <laughs> and after that, I could just never have a conversation again with him without thinking well, as he's talking to me about anything, you know, walking in the rec yard yesterday, you know, this happened or how he was playing handball with his buddy over the weekend. And I'm listening to him and I'm thinking, you are fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> yep. Maybe this is one of these guys that thinks that spy you. satellites are watching him. Yeah. And you're oh, like, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I I had a friend one time he did. It was the friend that started doing the blow. Remember that you were like, oh, you should have got him into rehab. Like that wasn't happening. He thought his <laughs> first of all, he just wandered off. No idea where he went. He's walking down like the main street in Fort Collins and he thinks his parents are talking to him through his wallet. In the, and he's like talking to his wallet. And then he thinks that the police uh, put a bug in his cigarettes. So he's walking down the street, ripping his cigarettes apart, throwing his cigarettes everywhere. Thinks that thinks the uh, drones are following him. Like that shit just is so insane to me. It's like, I'm not that special, bro. Like no one, you know, no, they don't. I, Nobody I mean, cares. Espionage. <laughs> and like, like you said, they would just kill you. Like, they're not going to go through all that. Right. Money. Why would they just? You don't understand. No, no, I don't. I don't. But then I'm a pretty level headed person. Yeah, I know exactly. that I'm here for a reason. <laughs> I know they got me. I don't yeah. think they're still trying to get me. Yeah. You know, I don't think they have my, my cell bugged. Like, what, what are the what ad additional things are they going to learn about me? Yeah. Yeah, like people are nuts. Me. Yeah. People are nuts. Um so, so what's going oh what? What else are, are I was we gonna we, say, like how do you feel about like the whole felons not being able to own guns thing? I mean, I disagree with that. I think that once you're off probation, I mean the truth is, listen, I, I it's so funny because 
I told Danny this one time on concrete. I forget how it was going. Um, and we were just having a discussion about like illegals and, you know, coming in and you know, the border and, and everything. And I was talking about like corruption in Mexico and all these things. Um, and he was like, well, what do you think the solution is? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I think just massive, you know, like incarceration or just executions, like round them all up and start executing all the cartel members. But I mean, I'm, I'm like, they're, but they're not going to put me in charge. Yeah, so, you're not running for office anytime soon. Yeah, like, I like that. It, so. You know, so you know, I remember, I remember, Hat Rat got all upset when I said it. Like he was like looking at me, like you're talking about executing. I'm like, yeah, well, we're talking about cartel members, so I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for cartel members. So, yeah. you know, and. Eat another like, gummy, bro. <laughs> to to me, it's like I was like, yeah, I would just make Mexico like the uh, you know the the fifty first state, and go in there and just you know, or just line the whole thing with like you know, with uh, mines. Like I'm sorry, I just have <laughs> there, no... that's already a thing. What the do you cartels mean? already done that, bro? You haven't heard about that? What line the border with mines? Well, just Mexico with mines. And there was a farmer walking with his son on their farm and he fucking steps on a landmine. Boom. No, I'm talking about like the border. Like, what do you do about the border? Oh, the border. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we were having this whole conversation and, um, um, and, and anyway, you know, the, the back to your original question was, you know, I think once you like, first of all, like to me, I would have like this entire, the entire country would be armed. Like to me, to me at 18, you'd have to go to, you'd have to go in the military for two years. Like Israel. Like, yeah. Well, there's or, lots of countries in Scandinavia that did say uh, you go in Korea. for two years, you go in for two years. If you serve out those two years, I think then you get, obviously you have like a concealed or you have a carry permit. I think everybody should be allowed to have a gun. I think once you do your time, you should be allowed to have a gun. I think that an armed society is a polite society. I think, I think that it would drop. I think crime would drop dramatically. But I also think I that most drugs should be legal, you know. Um, and I think that instead of dumping all this money into incarceration for drug dealers and drug addicts, I think that rehab should be free, you know. Yeah. Like, hey, you've got a problem, go to rehab for ninety days, and you could put that. You could put half the money. You could you could take the budget for the prison prisons that you dump into um drug dealers and and uh drug addicts you could take that budget cut it in half dump that give spend half of it and put it into drug rehabs and probably take care of the entire problem and then keep the other half yeah like, you know what i'm saying like like you that are working and contributing to society right. instead of just sitting in a box right but that care. would be logical and hey, listen you could take the other half and dump it into education and you'd fix the entire prison incarceration recidivism rate. But all of that's logical. And yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't get you votes. Right. There's too much thought process in that. So it's like, uh, do I say, let's, let's go ahead and double. Let's do mandatory minimums. And let's double, double the um, prison population. That'll get me elected. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many things. I wouldn't have career politicians. I think Congress, you should maybe, maybe be able to run for two or three terms, and that's it. Yeah. There's no more 85-year-old um, congressmen that have been there for 40 years. Absolutely not. Yeah. 
No. So, I mean, you know, it would be a vastly, vastly different world. It'd be a much harsher world, but I think it'd be a much, it'd be a world where we were. I don't think it would be much harsher, honestly. No, in the end, I don't. I think it would be a, a huge transition. Because, like, like, guys like mass shooters, you don't see them going into gun stores where everyone has a fucking gun on their hip shooting right. at gun stores. They're going to churches. They're going to schools. They're going to the weakest possible. Like, it, they're just, you know, such cowards. And just, like, if everyone had guns, like, people that are doing, like, uh, armed robberies, they're going to think twice before they do shit. They don't want to yeah. get shot. But you're not going in. Listen, if you're not going into a house where you think there's three people in that house with a gun, you're just not going in. You'd be like, exactly. yeah. Honestly, I'm thinking about getting a job. I'm thinking yeah. about I'm thinking about not doing this anymore. There's these fuckers have guns everywhere. Yep. I can't even rob at a 7-Eleven anymore. Four people in the store pull their guns on me. I'd be interested to see the uh I mean, I guess a lot of stuff does still happen in Texas, but like it's pretty well known that most people in Texas have guns. Listen, there's there's some county in the US, I forget the county, they have virtually no almost no mur- no crime. But they also have a law that says everybody in the in the county has to own a weapon. I think I've heard of that place. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. There's tons of country. There, there's oh, what's another one? Um, is it Switzerland where everybody has to have a weapon? And listen, have to have a weapon. You pay zero income tax. They've got almost no crime. Yeah, no crime. And there are like more million, more multimillionaires in Switzerland than any other country in the world. Like all of these things that that happen in the United States that people argue for don't make really make sense. But people don't ever say, well, is it working? What's working in other places? Well, we don't care how they do it in other places. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Well, I don't care how they do it there. Okay, well, then then we'll just keep this cycle up. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, the Gun Control Act. Like in 19, I think it's 1938, they said that violent felons couldn't own firearms. Then in 19, or I think it was 1934, 1968, they came out with the Gun Control Act. And that's when they said that felons, violent or not, can't own firearms. So this is a 55-year-old law that we're still enforcing. Right. And what's so funny is like, look, let's face it. If you come in my house, I have no weapons here. I can't. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, it's like felons are targets, bro. Like if, if you're right. like if people know you're a felon, know that you probably don't have a gun, you and, have a target on your back. And I'm nonviolent. Right. Now, the nice thing about where I live, there's three sheriff's deputies on my street. <laughs> like what's so funny is everybody on my street is a normal citizen. But they're also all like um, they're all minorities, Cuban, Hispanic. We got somebody. My next door neighbor is from like like Venezuela or something. Um, there, uh, you know, blacks, there's Hispanics, there's, um, um, yeah, there, there's just, a, a, they're all minorities. And the, the riffraff in the neighborhood is this house. <laughs> the white people in my neighborhood, we're, we're the ones with criminal records. We're the riffraff. Do the sheriffs know who you guys are? I don't know. It's, it's funny. I don't, you know, I, I think that the answer is no. But every once in a while, I'll, like, I'll get recognized. Like, I get recognized at the gym. I get recognized. If I, if I go to the, like, I probably fly once a month, maybe every other month. I have to leave the state to go do, like, a speaking engagement. Typically, either you know, when I walk through the airport, I get recognized. 
<laughs> I get recognized at the airport all the time. Um, I was in Amsterdam. I got recognized in a, <laughs> in a grocery store. A guy That's walked crazy. by me and kind of looked at me and I kept walking, went and got whatever I, I needed, like shaving cream or something. I forget what I got, what I had forgotten. And as I walked by, the guy goes, I love your stuff, man. And I go, excuse me. And he was like, I watched your YouTube video I, videos or your channel. He said, I love your stuff, bro. He said, really interesting story. I go, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, I'm in Amsterdam. Like this happened well, in the U S <laughs> like, and I have people at restaurants and stuff like that recognize me. So it, that's pretty cool. But Jess told me that she was, Oh, you'd be shocked how many people, I think more people recognize you that they say nothing. Like they'll look at me and whisper or kind of glance at me. She goes, but they never say anything. Yeah. So I'm for sure every one person that when you realize that, record. right. And, and there's people at the gym now. So now I go in the gym, I think feel like most people at the gym, but they never say anything to me. They'll walk by me and, and, and glance and smile. They give me the, like that. And I'm like, yeah, American greed. I'm like, Hey, like I'm <laughs> thinking that was a weird, that wasn't your typical, that was your, yeah. Yeah, that was a smile like a re- like we were buddies. Let's go my identity, please. Yeah, like we were there. <laughs> they recognized me or something. <laughs> and I've had a bunch of people at the gym. You know, not a bunch, but a, probably three or four people say like say something to me. Um, which is just super weird. You know, like yeah. I'm thankful. I'm I'm appreciative. I'm not like a jerk about. It. I'm like, I will shake their hand. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, appreciate it. Definitely watch. Oh, do you mind, you know, Hey, I got a question. Yeah. What's up? Like, I'm always very attentive immediately because I don't want to be that guy who's like, Hey bro, I'm working out, man. Like, yeah, bro. I like, I'm thrilled at how things are going thrilled. So yeah, yeah, I always stop and what's up. Can I get a picture? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You can get Hey man. Oh my God. My buddy and I love you. Can you call him? Get him on the phone. (laughs) Let's do FaceTime. (laughs) <laughs> like, awesome. are you serious i'm like absolutely hey soon you're not gonna have time to do that though you're gonna be big time i'm listen i'm always gonna love to do that like the, <laughs> how cool is that i called this we did this guy I was in starbucks and a guy recognized me um this was funny this guy literally almost crashed his he, he was in a mercedes he pulled up to the window as i was walking in and all of a sudden i hear him scream <laughs> matt cox and i thought i i knew him and I, I kind of glance over and he's like, and you can see him. He's just completely like messy. He's like, eh, forget it, forget it, forget it. And he pulls his car off and jumps out of his car and runs over to me, like left all of his Starbucks shit. I'm done <laughs> with that. Runs over, starts talking to me, asks to get a picture of me. I get a picture of him. Then I go a picture with him. Then I go inside. Then he goes inside because he didn't do his order. <laughs> Never got his order. So That's he goes awesome. inside. He's standing in there with me. And he, and he's like, bro, my buddy loves you, man. We, we, we watch your stuff all the time. He goes, man. He said, can I call him? I said, FaceTime him. Let's do this. <laughs> That's great. We FaceTime him where I'm like, what's up, bro? He's like, look who I found. He's like, oh my God, we're all screaming. People <laughs> at Starbucks are like, what is going on? <laughs> and then when I finally get up to the counter, this guy's goat, he takes off. I get up the counter. She, the girl's doing my order, the cashier. And she looks at me and she goes, like, what was that about? Like, are you, are you somebody famous? I'm like, not really. I have a YouTube channel. I'm nobody. <laughs> like, she's like, that guy was really excited. I'm like, I know. Right. That wasn't that cool. I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. If felons were allowed to own guns, 
like the money that would go into the economy do you think that would like offset or like outweigh the money that is going towards like prosecute or like keeping these guys in prison for like possession of a firearm i mean that's why i think that's probably a small portion of the prison population but still it's probably millions and millions every year well i mean if if it's 350 million people in the country and 25 percent of them have a felony conviction that's like 85 million people and then say half of them buy a gun five hundred dollars that's two or twenty billion dollars if they just buy one gun but they're gonna buy more than one so it's like potentially hundreds of billions of dollars i don't think i don't think know that that's gonna make a, a huge dent but i but you know maybe i don't know but i think well i don't know that violent criminals should have guns i agree i don't think murderers rapists kidnappers uh even pedophiles because like they could use guns to lure potentially violent right so yeah so like but like someone like you like you do banks out of money like why the fuck can't you own a gun right and someone like me too like i'm it's not like i'm gonna walk around toting my gun like it's gonna sit in my dresser right you know i'm never gonna use it most likely but if something did happen it you know like some guy who's robbing banks with a gun or who is gone to prison for murder and got out. Yeah. Like I, I get, it's like, okay, potentially this guy is, is a real problem. Well, that's why I think like they had it right in, in the thirties, but then 68, the gun control act, that's just, it's just bullshit. And like, you can get your record expunged after a certain period of time, but not, not your if federal, you have, not your federal record. No, you can. Well, you can get a you a president be a by presidential order. You can get like, come on, let's be reasonable. Like, yeah, it's almost impossible to get your gun rights back as a federal. It's possible, but unlikely. But if you have like a VRA crime, then you can't. So, like, a victim's rights advocate crime. So, like, if you have a victim, like I have a victim in my in one of my charges, but I didn't fucking hurt her emotional distress and she it wasn't even she's fine so it's like i i can't own a gun i didn't hurt anybody i didn't i didn't inflict bodily harm on anybody right like, it's just crazy i don't know i, I just don't agree with it i, I hear mean, you maybe i should run for office we'll see yeah drop a comment <laughs> if you vote for me but if people will comment people will be like i'll vote for you <laughs> why not that's all the motivation I need right there. Let's do it. But I, I interviewed a sheriff that was hooked on like oxys, got indicted, got arrested, got it out and was running for reelection <laughs> out on bond running for reelection. That's hilarious. Hey, like <laughs> he believes in himself. That's that's cool. He's, he's like, listen, he said, people were supporting me. People were supporting yeah. me, Matt. <laughs> the redemption, like. <laughs> He's he's uh, rehabilitated. I'd vote for him. Yeah, he's all good now. Um, <laughs> Six months see. later. Like, yeah. All right. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm 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 supposed to interview a a, a um, First Amendment auditor. You know what that is? Well, First Amendment's your freedom of speech, right? Right. So, so these are the guys that they video. They'll take a like a video camera and walk around and just kind of video stuff. Like they'll walk into a police station and video the lobby or go into a, a, um, 
like a public records building and video, like the courthouse. And so these people will be like that work. They're like, well, what are you doing? You can't video in here. It's like, well, yeah, I can. It's a public, it's a public building. I'm in public space or, or I'm standing outside the police station. The police will come out and be like, what are you doing? I'm videoing for what? I'm a journalist. It's a first, first amendment, right? And so he's basically just right? an asshole that likes to exercise his rights in like an obnoxious way. Exactly. That's what you turn for it, auditor. They call it their first amendment auditors. And what happens is the cops come oh, out gosh. and they go, let me see some ID. And they're like, nah, I don't have to give you your ID. Yes, yeah. you do. No, I don't. What? Uh, what? Then they I, say, what? I was going to say, I've done that. Like I've been a passenger in a car. I had like, like an eight ball in my sock and I wasn't driving. So I like knew I didn't have to give them my identification. And it was like me and three other people in the car. And I told them, I was like, listen, we don't have to give them our IDs because we're not the ones driving. So don't give them your IDs. Cause I've, I thought I had a warrant in Wyoming. Right. And the cop comes up and of course they fucking give their IDs right up. And he's like, you fucking assholes. So I'm the only one I'm like, dude, I'm not driving. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to identify myself. Like, and they're like, all right, we'll see about that. So they came back with like a different cop and they're like, Hey, so we understand you, you're not trying to like give us your ID, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to. And they're like, well, we just want to make sure that you don't have any warrants or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not driving. So I don't, I don't have to give you my ID. And they ended up just coming up, giving my friend a ticket and or a warning. And uh, they're like, all right, you guys have a safe night. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah, That's (laughs) what these guys do, but sometimes it works out. Sometimes it goes good and sometimes it goes bad. Sometimes they get handcuffed, they get taken downtown, they get released. But what happens is a lot of times what they're doing is they're putting themselves in a position so that the cops will violate their rights and then they can sue them. Right, exactly. Some of these guys are making $8,000, you know, little baby lawsuits. But it's like, you you arrested me. I I have video of it. You have video of it. You, one- you told me I wasn't allowed to do this. That's not true. You told you tried to get me to give you my ID. I told you no. I said, well, what, what law am I breaking? Right. They said, well, I'm doing an investigation. Yes, an investigation into what law? Well, you're yeah. suspicious. Suspicious isn't breaking a law. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, you're scaring people. Scaring people is not breaking a law. You know, oh, uh, oh. Uh, you know, they get all upset and sometimes they'll like, they'll handcuff them. They'll pull their wallet out. They'll get their wallet. They'll search them. They'll take them downtown. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to sue you. And then they get out and they file a lawsuit. And then, you know, they basically, they're like, look, you guys are wrong. You know, the, the, the U S attorney or the, sorry, the district attorney comes in and says, look, you're wrong. Let's give this guy 10 grand to go away. They give him 10 grand to go away. And this is how they make their money. Dude. This is why I love you, Matt Cox. You just inspired me. I just found my new line of work. Oh, it's, listen, this one guy I'm about to interview, like he's been to prison. He's been to prison and 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 he's, I think he's sued. He's got, I think he's got a lawsuit against him right now. Or I think he's suing right now. Um, you know, there's just, mul- and some of these guys, some of these guys have big lawsuits. $50,000, $100,000. I went to high school with this girl and actually we grew up together. We were from second grade on and she was going to school in florida maybe you actually heard about this and actually you were locked up when this happened she was walking down the street and a cop asked her to identify herself or whatever and she's like no i'm not doing anything wrong he ends up fucking tasering her 
and she she sued the piss oh, out of course her. yeah she she was on like some big news station um she's actually my first crush believe it or not but <laughs> and she lives in fort collins now <laughs> which is funny um but yeah she she that shit happened to her and she got paid bro well you know what happens is that the you know the cops like overstep their their boundaries you know they pull you over they they search you they Use they the ask you, it's like well, what am i what am i doing like, yeah. why do you feel like you can can do this? Like, I'm not bothering anybody. We got a call. And then, they, of course, they're they're super bullies, you know? Yeah, they just abuse their power. Right. So it's like, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's just silliness. Like, it's, it's, it's silly that these guys are putting themselves in that situation where they may end up getting shot. For instance, right now in Florida, there's a guy who's got a whole channel. Um, and it's based on the fact that he walks around town with an AR-15. I've seen that guy, yeah. Yeah. His videos totally, are great. Totally legal to do. Yeah. Right? You're going, he's going fishing. He's got a fishing pole. He goes and he does fish for hours. And the cops will pull up left and right. Like, hey. you know, they pull their guns on him sometimes. They, you know, yeah. and Those like, videos you are don't, crazy. You don't know the law. I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. And they're really trying to just, you know, dissuade him from doing what is legal, what he's legally allowed to do. And then they sit there and they're like, what do you need an AR-15 for? What, would you feel better if it was a nine millimeter? Yeah. Like, what is your, what's the problem? I'm allowed yeah. to do it. But I mean, at the same time, he's clearly doing it to provoke them. He's got, he's recording it. Right. It's not like he just has his AR and he's like, oh, well, like, what, I'm not bothering anyone. What he's saying is I'm doing it because I should, I'm allowed to do it. I should be allowed to do it. People should be, they're like, yeah, well, people aren't used to it, to, to seeing that, but they should be. Yeah. Like they shouldn't have a problem with it. You know, you have a gun. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm going fishing. I'm allowed to go fishing. And if more people walked around with weapons, visible weapons, I think people would be a lot more polite. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly, I'm not, to be hey. honest, I'm as polite as you could be to anyone all the time. Hey. Same. But when I, I'll tell you, when I walked around with my 45 on my hip, no one gave me any problems. They're right. They were I was very, say, very polite. You know, it's funny too. Like if the, if the, if I, if I was walking down the street and the police pulled up and said, Hey, uh, excuse me, you know, I, uh, do you have ID on you? I'd go, yeah, sure. I show my ID, but I'd show my ID because pretty much if anybody stopped and asked me for my ID, I'd show it to them. Yeah. Anybody. If a homeowner stopped me and said, hey, excuse me, can, can, you stop for, can I see your ID? I'd be like, sure, what's up? <laughs> I would do it for anybody because I don't really care and you're allowed to see it I, or not allowed to, but I'm, I'm a very polite person and I'm more than happy to indulge people who are even complete lunatics. <laughs> um, but when the moment you're telling me that I have to do it and I know I don't, then I start to feel like, see, now I don't want to give it to you. <laughs> you know, if you yeah. just asked, that's one thing, but now you're demanding it. And I know you don't, I, you, I don't have to give it to you. And now I have an issue. <laughs> so, isn't that, and that's silly, but I think that's, well, that's the way that's how I felt that time that the cops were, they were bringing up that they had like a female officer come up and they're like, Oh, we'll, we'll see. You're going to, you're going to tell us who you are. I'm like, no, I'm not now. I'm definitely not. You right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, it was so funny. I watched one of the auditors where the auditor, 
I'm sorry, where the guy they were it was a random they were randomly stopping people in Georgia. They're this it's random stops. They're just stopping you and they're like, let me see your ID. And the guy goes, um, I don't have to give you my ID. Like I'm, I wasn't speeding. No, I know, but this is a random ID, uh, a driver like uh, we're, we're, it's like an ID check or something. Just, we just randomly stop cars and check them. And he's like, "Yeah, but I haven't done anything wrong, so I don't have to give you my ID." Yes, you was do. That black dude. Was it a black guy asking for it? No, the black dude was the the, the guy that they pulled it, over. No, there was actually a a, a black cop. Oh, okay. And he's asking. Well, first it's a woman. I think first it's a woman asked, and he said no. And then the then the uh, another cop, a cop comes over, a black cop comes over and says, "Hey, man, I need to see your ID." He goes, "No." He goes, "Yeah, you do." He's like, "By law, you have to give it to me." He's like, "No, nah, I don't." He's like, "Listen, <laughs> man." He goes, "Do you do this all the time?" Yeah, we do it all the time. People always give us like, their ID. He said, "Well, I don't have to." He's like, Just "Yeah, you, you do. do it all the time." Doesn't mean I have to do it. You know? Exactly. And so he sits there and kind of slowly argues with the guy, and the guy goes, "You're going to get arrested." He said, "Well, then you'll have to arrest me because you're not legally allowed to do this." You can't just stop cars and, pe- and ask that aren't breaking the law and ask for their ID. Was that that and, county in – it might have been Georgia where they were doing that and charging people with like bullshit. It was like a racist like system. And well, I don't – I don't know. I know that – It was it was the black cop who was the whistleblower on the whole thing. And they were like making know. all kinds of fucking false arrests and they got sued like crazy. And this, this black cop was like, this is fucking bullshit. This is racist. Like they, it was an openly racist – police department you didn't hear about this no yeah i was you should try to get him on bro that was well, in this in this one eventually the guy just keeps, keeps saying no 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 and if you're gonna arrest me arrest me and eventually the guy goes man just go on get on out of here yeah. and he's like he's like and he, he's like all right he rolls his window up and drives off yep. he's like <laughs> i mean the cops tell him well, you're going to prison you're going to jail we're gonna arrest you we're gonna he's like yeah you're not gonna do that yeah, like you just got to stick to your guns, you know? And finally, the guy just, you know what? He's, I don't have time for you, man. Just get out of here. Like, like I'm still right. Yeah. I'm let you go because I don't have time. They won't to admit they're wrong. Yeah. Come on, bro. <laughs> I love it. Dude, I'm definitely going to start doing that shit. That's fucking genius. Listen, when I was on the run one time, um, we were in Savannah, Georgia. And I was driving down Savannah, and they had a stop, a road, like a stop where they were stopping all cars. And I could see it way down the road, and I thought, you know, what's happening here? And and I was like, yeah, I don't want to be involved in this, so I, I do a U-turn. Immediately, a cop turns his life watching for that, bro, <laughs> and chases me down. And I'm 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 dry. I'm like, oh my god, I had a paper, I had a paper driver's license from. Alabama, because when you go to, in Alabama at that time, I don't know what it is like now, but you go to get your driver's license, they give you a paper cutout. Yeah, that's what this they is do your driver till they mail you the, the the real one. Yeah. So all I've got is a paper driver's license. In what name? Scott Cugno. <laughs> and so the guy pulled. They pulled me. They go, "Why'd you turn around?" We're like, "Well, we're we're looking for a hotel. Well, why'd you turn around? Why didn't you stop at the at the stop?" We're like. Because when we got here, we could see that we clearly there's no hotels here. We went down the wrong road. I don't, you know, and I'm like, I mean, I'm not trying to avoid it. Like, I'll take a breathalyzer. Like, I don't, I'm not drunk or anything. And the guy goes, let me see your ID. I was like, right, here, give it to my ID. He goes, you don't have anything else? I'm like, no. Well, I've never seen this. I said, well, I just got my ID in Alabama and we're here just for the weekend. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And he was like, <laughs> 
So he goes, he comes back, he rounds it. It checks out. Yeah. He comes back, he gives it to me. He said, all right. I said, hey, hey, hey. But he started, he goes, okay, well, you can go. And he starts to leave. I go, whoa, whoa wait a second. He goes, what? What's up? I go in. I said, where are the hotels? Where's the, I need a hotel. <laughs> like I was, I genuinely, I wasn't fucking around. Like I genuinely. You actually were looking for a hotel. We were looking for a hotel. It's like 1130 at night on a Friday. <laughs> and he's like, you go back down here. <laughs> he's directions. I'm wanted. <laughs> so yeah, he tells me, go back down here, get on the interstate, go down about three fucking, you know, whatever. And there's the whole street. So there's, there's eight different hotels there. Thank you, officer. I was like, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah anyway yeah listen man we got to wrap this up i have yeah. to go to the bathroom all right dad <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah all those people in the last video yeah this is matt's son yeah there's like that. 15 of them oh my god um all right all right we're well we're, we're uh okay we're good yeah Hey, we should do one on that um, the Russian mob boss that my uh, my brother's best friend's uncle. We should do one on him, bro. I think it would be great because his story is amazing, and like the likelihood of you getting him on here is not too great. So, but there's a ton of information out there on him, and I could research it. It's a great story. How much? Billions. Whoa! Remember, he was doing the same thing that like Michael Francesi was doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. The gas stations, dude. It, but his story is just incredible. He's like, he had a fifty-year run, bro. He was doing shit in Russia or in Belarus, then came right. over here to be a bigger criminal. Like his story is just amazing. I just always wanted to be like a criminal, you know. All right. So in New York, growing up, good kid. Doesn't sound like it. I started selling when I was twelve. You make it sound like I held off. Yeah, I held off. Not like those other kids. I actually got caught and the cop said to me, he's like, you're 12 years old selling. You're going to be 13 selling. I'm a dealer now. And I had these these customers that were heads. Like they'd buy a half at one o'clock, call me at three for another half. And then at five for like another half. I, I love the guys that say like, listen, if I come back, don't sell to me because only money I got left is my rent money. Typically, what the others do is they take the rent money and they go, you're going to come up with it, bro. You'll be all right. <laughs> I wasn't that ruthless. <laughs> I would at least put up a fight. No, I, I can't take, I can't take your rent money. No, no. <laughs> okay. We give the material to the kid to make this with. My partner comes back and he's like, bro. It only yielded like under one and a half percent. So I knew that they were both. So I get with my buddy and I was like, send your people over there. Who's his people? I didn't want to know. They, they weren't bad people. They were really bad people. Okay. So they go up to the front door and they have, you know, and they knock on the door. The kid was inside. He's got his. And somehow one of the guys that I sent there got. Oh, that's, that's not good. No, it was bad. <laughs> not so much fun when the rabbits got the gun. She calls the cops. They like show up to my house. I have my there. I have the cold room in the garage. I can't have the cops showing up to my house. I'm like, what are you thinking? I was born and raised in Albany, just outside of Albany, New York. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm a New Yorker. Um, but you're in Colorado now. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. But, um, yeah, uh, my dad's uh, Ukrainian Jew. My mom's Italian, so I'm a, I'm a pizza bagel. Right. Um, 
I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I grew up like just super fascinated in, uh, the Costa Nostra and the kosher Nostra, which is the Jewish mob. Have you heard that before? <laughs> no. You heard that? Kosher? No, I was actually just thinking that, that a, uh, um, a pizza bagel sounds good. I was like, that's I've never heard that either. Not bad. Yeah. I, like, I wouldn't mind one. I love bread. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I idolized like Lucky, Lucky Luciano and, uh, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky and those guys. Right. Um, I just always wanted to be like a, a bad guy, like a criminal, you know? I mean, I thought it was like a normal thing, but I guess it's not. It's, it is for some people. Yeah. Right. A lot, a lot, a lot of people, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, 1% of society, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the 1% that got caught. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I think there's something like um, 25% of Americans have like felony convictions or something. I remember the the number was outrageous. Oh, I believe it. It's 1% that's currently incarcerated. Currently incarcerated in some type of, yeah, incarceration. Which is a lot. It's, yeah. Well, 350 million people, that's like what? Three and a half million people? That's a a lot of people. What? Yeah. So... (laughs) There's the intercom. That's fine. It, it it adds to the allure. Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah, um, all right. So in New York, growing up, yep. Good kid. Doesn't sound like it. No, not really. Not not it. I wasn't the worst kid, but you know, I didn't really respect authority or the rules. Um, I got in trouble here and there. Um, but I mean, I didn't. Eh. I was going to say, I didn't start selling weed until I was 12, but I started selling weed when I was 12. That's, that's like funny. How you, you make it sound like I held off. Yeah, I held off. Not 12. like those other kids. Yeah. Kids yeah. He's selling weed at 12. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at 12, you know, I didn't feel like I was like, like looking back, it's crazy to think like 12 is like a child. And, but at the time I'm like, you know, I'm fucking, you know, badass. I'm a gangster. I'm a gangster. So yeah, I started selling weed when I'm 12. Um, I'm a little young for my grades. So I was in eighth grade at this point. Um, so I'm not quite in high school yet. And I remember it was 12 because I actually got caught by the police when I was 12. I had like a bunch of uh, bags weighed out and a scale. And the cop said to me, he's like, you're 12 years old selling weed. You're going to be 13 selling crack in Albany. And <laughs> what does that go for? Yeah, right yeah i was like on that but um yeah so i mean he wasn't wrong but his timeline was i didn't start selling coke thoughts all right so yeah so uh 13 i get to high school um i start selling weed to like the upperclassmen you know as i was like the weed guy i'd come to school every day with a bunch of bags weighed out and a scale and just sell weed in the bathroom and um like my my dad uh sold weed like um my three siblings all grew and you know uh it i come from like a family of growers um uh, of your environment yeah like uh my dad went to uh school in new mexico he played for the uh baseball for the university of new mexico lobos and he drove trucks for my grandpa's carpet business so he ended up meeting this kid in uh in his english class who was a cartel 
and came up that my dad knew how to drive trucks and the kid's like, you want a job? My dad's like, yeah, sure. So my dad starts driving these trucks down to Mexico full of cash. And then he'd go to this warehouse full of drugs and load it up. And he got, this is in the sixties. He got 17 grand and a kilo for every run he did. So he was, that was when he was in college. Um, that was in the sixties where they were probably waving cars through too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, oh, well they, they would pay off the, the fucking order. You know what I mean? Like these guys were the real deal. Um, but they started robbing the trucks. Um, so my dad had to go with a bodyguard and he's like, fuck this. I'm out. He's, he's like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Right. Uh, he got, he had a nice sports car with it and you know, he, he did good. Then he, uh, he, he moved on this five acre property on the Rio Grande and, uh, him and his friends, they planted, uh, four acres of weed and set up like an irrigation system and everything. And that is, that was how it all started, I guess. And then, um, my siblings are all like a lot older than me. So I, I knew at this point when I'm 13, that that's what they did. Um, I knew that's what I wanted to do eventually. And so I ended up dropping out of high school at 16 and my dad, uh, let me start growing weed in the basement. And that was <laughs> all down. Well, it, it went uphill a little bit, but mostly downhill from there. Um, so I drop out, I go and get my GD like a month later, um, didn't study or anything. Like I, I'm a brain, like I love learning and I'm smart. I just hated school, you know? Right. I was the reason I dropped out was because my attendance was so bad that I wasn't going to be able to complete my junior year. They wanted me to do summer school. So I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to go get my GED and go to college. So I actually started uh, community college when I was 16 and uh, I was taking business administration. Um, it took me like, I took a year off. I started boxing and I was working like at a gym and it took me three years to get my associates. Um, but once I got my associates, I was like, I could transfer to like a four year now. And I knew like weed had just been legalized. This is 2012, um, recreational in Colorado. So I was like, that's where I want to go. So I, I started applying to schools. My first choice was university of Boulder or Colorado Boulder. Um, my why, GPA, why just, just curious. Well, it's just a, a sweet school. Like their campus is amazing. It's a party school. Uh, it's like one of the big, biggest party schools in the country at the time, um, which I didn't need. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say all the right. It was like last all the right reason. Exactly, but it's a good school too. Um, but my GPA wasn't high enough, so I was like, all right, what's the, what's the next biggest one? And I found uh, Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And at this point, I'm looking to go to school for horticulture, naturally. Um, so. Uh, it turns out CSU actually has the better ag program. So I applied there. Um, my GPA, I think I needed a 2.8 and I had a three, 3.0. So I got accepted. And then, um, April of 2013, I moved from Albany, New York to Fort Collins, Colorado. And, uh, yeah, I was going to CSU for horticulture and, same thing. Like, it was just like, I don't like school. I'm just going to grow weed. And, you know, I think the starting salary for a horticulture graduate at the time was like $30,000. So like, 
what, what am I doing? Like it's 45 grand a year out of state tuition. Like I'm not doing this. So I dropped out after. I mean, you didn't know that going in, you didn't think about that or you were just, were you, were you doing it? Cause you thought you wanted an education. I thought like I was going to learn a lot about stuff that I could apply to growing and which I did, but it turns out there's so much information on the fucking internet for free. Right. That's specific to weed. So I was studying like how to grow weed online while I'm in school. And I was just like, I can just learn what I need to learn for free and, you know, not have to go to class and all that bullshit. So yeah, I dropped out and um, just started focusing on growing. And um, my dad and I lived together at the time. And we we had to grow in the in the basement. Um, our landlord was cool with it. Um, and I mean, it, it was it wasn't a great grow. You know, this is like the early days of my career. And um, so, who are you selling this to at this point? Like, you just you go up there and immediately get a a group of people you know you can sell to, or just college students? So at first, I I actually um, drove my first harvest back to New York. That's the only time I've been back to New York since I moved out here. And I sold it there because uh, I, you know, I still had all my friends there and then drove back and ended up, I only made like 12 grand. I ended up getting fucking pulled over in Iowa. On the way back. On the way back with the money. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to college. I'm in college. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to buy a motorcycle because all I had was the money. And my dumbass, for whatever reason, decided to bring the scale that I was using back with me. It was like a $20 scale. I could have just thrown it out. And it had like a little bit of weed residue, like a couple hairs on it. You should say, well, what is that? What, yeah. what? And my buddy told me to bring this back. Yeah. I don't know what that is. But they, they weren't buying it. Um, They're like, what's all this money from? Of course, it's all like, you know, 20s. It was stripper money. Yeah. <laughs> look at me. I, was, I told him I was going to buy a motorcycle. Yeah, look at me. Hey, look at me. I, I walked into yeah. a bar. They start throwing ones at me. Yeah. I can't help it. Am I going to not take the ones officer? Exactly. <laughs> so you got to uh, think faster when, you, when these questions come at you. I was 22, man. I had a break. You know, I learned from it though. But yeah, so they end up impounding my, my, um, I get what I was it? A Ford SUV Explorer. I had an Explorer. They impounded it, took my money. They were grilling me. Like, and they interrogated me. They're like, you know, uh, we're going to go through your phone. Like, you better just tell us what you're going to do. I was like, I was sitting there deleting shit like under the table. And I, I'm like, all right, where's, you know, show me the warrant. You guys can go right through it. They didn't end up going through it. They, no. you know, um, well, obviously, yeah. yeah, I bonded out. I was in some shitty, tiny fucking jail. Um, my dad, I called my dad. Uh, he bonded me out. Um, they ended up giving me like a possession of like marijuana paraphernalia. It was like a misdemeanor or like a ticket or something. And I I called like a normal, you know what normal is? It's like the national organization of, it's like the national marijuana organization. And they, they provide like attorneys. So right. I went to uh, the Iowa normal website and found an attorney to take my case. And basically he was, he was gonna fight to get my money back, and then yeah, you gotta say that's my money. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you gotta prove this is drug money, or exactly. really, they're gonna say you have to prove that you legitimately got it, right? Which they tried to do at first, but I didn't end up having to, you know. 
Uh, all you gotta do is when you file your taxes, say I made this much money and this much of it was cash, and this is uh, I've never filed taxes in my life. That's a that's it's gonna catch up on with you. I know it's, <laughs> but hey, I'm being honest here. Look at you, you're like you got like a, you got bigger problems right now. You're living in a halfway house. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's Maybe the least of my Yeah, what do I care? Um, they can come after me. They, you can't. What is it, the saying? You can't bleed a, a stone or whatever. Can't get blood from a stone. Um. Well, plus, there's also, you know, the the IRS would have to prove that you make more than, I think it's like 16,000. If you make, if you make less than 16,000, like you don't even pay taxes. So, yeah. So, I mean, I never, I kept everything in my dad's name, you know, I just spent cash. But, but anyway, so my lawyer ends up getting me my money back. But after the fees and paying him, I got back, I think like 3,500 bucks. Fucking for a long I was right I was so pissed and it took like almost a year but being an attorney is just a license to steal I know I heard you talking about that on the I forgot it is he was the one you posted yesterday but yeah I was like that's so true they are just crooks man but yeah so that was like my first like kind of close encounter with the law um so I go back uh took the loss. Uh, we kept growing. I think it might've been the next harvest. Um, it was all sour diesel. So it, was, it smelled great, but really strong. And it was July. Um, and our air conditioner for the house went out. So we, we were trimming it and we opened the windows cause the house was like fucking 95 degrees. And one of our neighbors calls the cops and is like the whole fucking neighborhood smells like a skunk. And they, they knew it was us. So they, they gave them our address and they looked up our address and I had a 99 plant count, um, medical cart, which allowed me to grow 99 plants. So they're like, all right, we're going to go check this out to make sure these guys are legit. Um, I should, I need to, to backtrack just a little bit. So I started making a butane hash oil. I don't know if you've heard of this before, like shatter. No, no, no. So, all right. So. Yeah, you can take weed and run butane through it and it extracts all the resin and it makes like this golden um, hash, basically. Um, I'm oversimplifying it, you know, for the sake of time and everything. Yeah. And so I actually started making that in 2009 before I moved to Colorado. Um, And back then we used to use a, a metal turkey baster fill that with weed and then use just a can of lighter fluid butane. And it was super dangerous because you have all this butane dispersing, a flame ignites it. You got a fire. Like it was bad news. So they ended up coming out with these systems called closed loop extractors. And they were these big stainless steel machines. You could put like two pounds of weed in it. And you used a big tank, like a 25 pound tank of distilled butane. So it was, it was cleaner, safer, supposed to be safer but really you, you have a if you have a leak in the system you have 25 pounds of butane that's going to ignite it's a bomb right so but overall it's it's just inherently safer so anyways back to the story um i have my closed loop extractor broken down on the kitchen table so it's this big mess of it was neatly broken down but it was a, a bunch of stainless steel parts and gaskets and in my bedroom i had um these they're called a, a vacuum oven 
which you use to purge the butane out of the hash. And I have that full of hash in my bedroom. And it's like six o'clock in the morning. Knock, knock, knock. It's the Mar medical marijuana enforcement division. Uh, three, they're plainclothes cops. And they're like, hey, we got a complaint from the neighbor. Um, we just want to come in and make sure everything's, you know, kosher. And so my, the, my dad's going to help you. We're from the government. We're yeah, from no, we're your friends. We're, you. we're the medical marijuana. And we're just trying to make sure you're not doing anything, you know, crazy. Yeah. Uh, they're fucking cops. So, <laughs> so my dad answers the door and I'm shitting my pants because my fucking, you walk into the house and it goes down to the basement, like right next to the front door, but you can see the kitchen right when you walk in. So I'm like, holy shit, my fucking extractor is right out in the open. I got like like two pounds of hash in my bedroom. And so my dad's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take you down to the basement. And like, just so happens the night prior, I had cleaned up the entire grow. We had just harvested. So everything's neat, clean. All the weed is in like big tubs. Um, so luckily I did that because it, they would have seen like all the, the dead plants. Like we had a lot of plants. So it looks like you only have the 90 plants. Well, no, you have more so than that. Harvested all of the plants, so we actually had no living plants at this time. All we had—no way for them to tell how many you had. How many did you have? Ninety or more than ninety? Okay, uh, it was ten years ago. I can't really remember. But, but anyway, so my dad takes the three cops downstairs, and I like—I'm peeking around the corner. I see him go downstairs, and I start tiptoeing and doing runs back to my bedroom with all the. I had to do like 10 trips, all the parts and I'm tiptoeing. So they don't hear me going back and forth. And, um, my dad like stalled them long enough downstairs. So, so that I could clear out the hash stuff. Right. And they come up and I'm just sitting there in the kitchen like, Oh, Hey, how's it going guys? And everything's put away. And they're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're good here. You know, if the neighbors call again, we'll just tell them you guys are, you guys aren't doing anything wrong and they're just going to have to deal with the smell. And we're like, all right, guys, thank you so much. Like, you know, you have a great day. And they leave and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I would have got a manufacturer. It would have been bad. Like, you're not supposed to do that shit. It's a manufacturing a narcotics charge. Like, it's like the, the same maker. What's that? Yeah, the extractor. Yeah. So, um, dodged a bullet there. And that kind of emboldened me because I, I was like, they said, if anyone calls the cops on us, they know we're not doing anything wrong. So now we can go nuts. You know what I mean? That's so, not that is not the way to interpret that. But I would have interpreted it that way. Yeah, you gotta I'm think sure now. This is no looking back, it was crazy, but like I'm this is me at the time, arrogant as fuck, and just thinking I'm untouchable. Right. So I I just, you know, kept doing what I was doing. And uh, about a year later, like I had been making hash um for other growers at this point they're bringing me their entire harvest and the deal was i get 30 percent of the hash i produce so i'm getting 30 30 percent of these guys grows right and i'm only doing like a week's worth of work like it was it was great um so my grows kind of like all this stuff oh at this point i had met um guys through instagram that were posting hash uh, with like the hashtag Fort Collins. Actually, one of my really good friends I still talk to to this day. I was he had a picture of him holding up a, a slab 
of hash and I hit him up and I was, or he might've hit me up. I can't remember, but I was like, Hey, we should, you know, link up. We'll, we'll dab, we'll smoke. And he introduced me. He, his whole thing was Joe made it. So, so can you hear it? I, I mean, I could, he said, gentlemen, yeah, some your support group. Anyways. So, um, That's good. It's nice people yeah. adding people. Oh yeah. I mean, Summerstone's great. Shout out Summerstone. But anyways, um, so this kid, his thing was he had a little girl himself and he had someone making hash for him, but he was a middleman and a, a broker. Mm-hmm. So he buys up all these guys, entire grows and then sells it, slings it back to like the East Coast. Um, he's he's from um, the Northeast as well. Um, so that we kind of clicked because of that. And um, he's a mass hole though. We, you know, we worked through it. And um, he he would buy a lot of my stuff. And he, through him, I, I was able to network and meet all these other growers that I was able to make cash for. And it, it kind of just like blew my business up. And, um, but he was also, you know, selling Coke, uh, Molly, acid, everything. He was the one-stop shop. Right. Amazingly, he never got in trouble. And it, he was super reckless. He would just have people in and out all the time. Come on, Stanley. It missed him on count. Anyways, so yeah, so this kid's like, he's like the trap lord. And we become like really good friends. I actually end up moving into his house. And um, go, I need to back up a little bit. I end up getting a job with this guy, Naughty. Um, he's got a YouTube channel, K N O T T Y Y. Check him out. Great dude. Um, great hash maker. I end up moving out to Seattle. Um, and making hash for him and it's great he's like to this day he's the best friend i've ever had and darian if you ever see this i love you and i miss you it's a great dude um and i was i was making 20 an hour under the table working for him working 50 hours a week so i'm making a thousand dollars cash a week but i didn't have to worry about you know distribution or you know anything so it had its trade-off like i, I was taking a hit in the pay but Working for him, he was super popular. I he tried to look up Naughty. Yeah, it's, it's K-N-O-T-T-Y-Y on YouTube. And um, he was making YouTube like hash videos in the early days. So he had this big following. Did you find him? No, K-N what? K-N-O-T-T-Y-Y. Naughty, okay. Yeah, Naughty with two Y's. Yep. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he was my boss. And what is this stuff? It's that's the hash that I was making. That's butane hash. You see, like the big. It looked like a sponge. Yeah. 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 There's all different, like, uh, consistencies of it, but it's all butane hash oil. Um, as far as the, the DEA is concerned. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So, um, it's great. I'm working out there, but like after a while, like I'm making, uh, each each slab I was making was like a pound of hash, which back then was like, I can't even remember, a lot of money, like let's say 10 grand. And I'm making like 10 of these things a day. So I'm making all this fucking money for him 
and I'm only making 20 an hour. Um, so I'm like, Hey man, like what if I got paid like a dollar per gram I produce? So that way it's like proportionate. My pay is proportionate to what I'm making instead of just 20 an hour. And right. he's like, I don't, I don't knock him for this at all, but he's like, no, I can't do it. Sorry. I can't do it. I can't afford it. He sounds it. like he's making a ton of money yeah. and you're just a, a laborer. Exactly. But, but it was also, I was teaching him how to make the closed loop style hash because he was doing it the old school way with the cans of butane and he had fires like he, he'd struggling. So that was like my main like purpose there was to like show him how to do it the right way. And, but it was at the end of the day, it was his, uh, shop. It was his equipment. I actually got a, a equipment, uh, donated to him from a friend of mine that had a, a company in Fort Collins because he wanted the exposure because Naughty was so big. I was like, Hey, I'm working for this Naughty dude now. Send us a machine. So I actually did get him one of the machines, but it was his um, clients bringing him the material. Um, it was his distribution network. So like I understood, but I didn't accept it. So at this point, my name has, I've grown like, you know, I have like 10,000 followers on Instagram now bunch of people that want to like work with me so i'm like you know what man it's been great but i'm gonna move back to colorado and do my thing on my own and so when i moved back uh i moved in with the friend that was the broker and i started making hash with him and i was making way more money right he knew all these growers here they're bringing us our their entire crops um and we're killing it um eventually uh, you know, we, we butt heads, you know, we're fucking 20, 23 years old. Just, you know, I move out, I get my own house and I just start doing my own thing completely independent. And I'm not even growing at this point. I'm just making hash. And it was great because like, I didn't have to worry about working to grow. I could take a week off, you know, when you're growing, you're just like constantly fucking working. Um, so I'm, I'm making good money. I'm like, I started partying, like, like going out to bars and stuff and, uh, going out to nice dinners. And one of my friends, I was like really good friends with starts doing blow. And how old were you at this point? At this point, I'm like 24, 23, 24. Um, I'm living in a nice house. It's like a, a, a 2,500 square foot house in the, in the suburbs. Um, I got like a new Tacoma, like I'm doing well. Right. Um, and I, I think I, I got the truck. I was making fake pay stubs. Figured you'd appreciate that. So that was how I got the loan for the truck. Um, and yeah, I'm renting this house. It's like $2,000 a month, which is like, you know, normal here. It's not like Florida. Right. So, you know, I'm, I got this nice house. It's like a four bedroom house to myself. Um, and so anyway, so my friend starts doing blow and his girlfriend has a trust fund. So he basically had his like allowance and he didn't, he didn't work. He, he was just a, you know, we, we called him, they had like four dogs. He was the fifth dog, you know, he's, he's there for emotional support. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't bring much to the table. But so anyways, so he starts, he gets this allowance and I'm just watching him spend, you know, $300 a day on blow, just like pissing through it. I'm just like, fuck, like I could be selling him the blow. 
You know what I mean? Like, I was selling him the book. You're a good friend. I'm a great friend. <laughs> hey, if someone's hey, got to put the money, it might as well be me. This is, this is. Hey, you can't judge me, dude. <laughs> You're not one to judge. Or, I, you know, I have two point. choices here. I yeah. can get him into rehab. <laughs> or take advantage of the situation. Listen, that first choice was not even a, a remote. That, that didn't even enter your mind at any time. No, it's j- just you have a problem. I need to. Be, <laughs> I, need I need to capitalize on it. Exactly. Yeah. I need to take advantage of this situation. Hey, that hey. other guy screwing you. Yeah, I was. I need. I'm like. I'm like, bro. This guy's you know taking advantage of you. Like, I'd be selling you grams for eighty instead of a hundred. You know. Be saving money going with me. This is people helping people. Exactly, bro. Just trying to be a good friend. Exactly. I'm just looking out for the homies. I hear you. Yeah, you you get it. So we we find this kid who starts he starts getting his blow from. He's really cool. We we, we become like really good friends with this kid. Um, his name is Zach. He he passed away. Um, fentanyl. But fentanyl. Is that what you said? Yeah, fentanyl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I didn't even know he was using, bro. And one day I just get the call from uh, my friend that was the broker. And he's like, hey, man, Zach's in a coma. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, he, he passed out with a fentanyl strip in his mouth. And um, he was drinking. He was a horrible alcoholic. He called himself Zachaholic. And he, yeah, he, he had a do not resuscitate thing. So... Yeah, he he died like I think later that day, and um, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to that anyway. So um, I see this like opportunity with the coke thing, but I didn't really have like a good connection to to do it to capitalize on it. So um, like I said, I mentioned like like the grower community was pretty tight knit, and we networked like. Um, if we had an out-of-state buyer come in, he would want more than we had. So we'd go to other growers that we knew and buy their stuff to to sell to the out-of-state guys. And one of these guys, um, I'll just call him Big Homie. Um, that was what he was saved in my phone as. He was um older dude. He had like a brand new Lamborghini. He was like, I, I was like, I want to be like that, that dude, you know? Right. He was just like cool, older, like old head, like, hustler and i'm over at his house one day he loved um ogs like uh, the strain so anytime i had ogs he's like call me up and come down and i'll buy it from you he'd buy like four ounces for his head stash um and ounces at this time they're like a thousand bucks um so i'd go down there and hang out we'd dab he had these like thirty thousand dollar bongs that we'd be hitting and and one day i was there he had like this little jar like this this big full of like amazing blow like just straight fish scale and i was like dude that what is that and he's like we call this the space coke because it sends you to space and i was like dude if i had access to that i can i could sell a lot of that and he's like okay i can make that happen so he he sets me he's like i'll set you up with my guy that handles it and he sets me up with this kid. Um, we'll just call him Jay. And Jay lives in Boulder. 
Um, I've heard of him through the circle, you know, it's all the, the, the drug dealer circle. And, um, but I didn't realize he was like getting it through this guy. And like the older dude with the Lamborghini, he's, um, one of El Chapo's nephews. We, you mean Jay's getting it through, uh, through the older guy, yes. through the Lamborghini guy or vice yeah. versa? The older guy didn't get his hands dirty. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so Jay handled his, his distribution. Exactly. So these, the cartel guys would bring it across the border and Jay would get it straight from them. So this is completely untouched. Like, yeah. This is straight from a super lab. Exactly. Or whatever, um, wherever they're processing it, whatever. Straight from the jungle. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So he, he sets me up with Jay and I tell uh, my buddy Zach, because I knew he he sold. That was all he did was sell coke. And I was like, hey, bro, I got a connection that you need. And I was like, you can come with me and meet the dude. But if you end up buying something from him, we'll we'll work an arrangement out. He's like, okay, cool. So we go down and meet meet the, the dude, Jay. And it's it's the same. It's just like, but huge pieces, like just straight, amazing fish scale. Like you pick this stuff up and rub it in your fingers and it's just like oil on your fingers. Like I've never seen Coke like this before. And we work out an arrangement. Um, Zach would buy um, whatever quarter kilo, half kilo from Jay. And then because it's my connection and I would, I ended up just doing the, after that buy, I ended up transporting it right. from Boulder to Fort Collins, which is like an hour. So I was like, I'll transport it. It's my connection. You front me whatever I need at, you know, the best price you can do. And he's like, okay, cool. So that was our arrangement. And um, we're, we're doing runs. We started off getting a quarter kilo, which I think was nine grand. Yeah, a thousand an ounce. Um, and eventually we, then we got up to the half kilo uh, and then, you know, full kilos. But I mean, this this kid, Jay, was just so reckless, bro. He was like 21 years old. He's living in this trap house. Like, we'd go up to pick up, and he'd just have, like, a party, girls everywhere, all Molly and shit. And we're just... And he would just open up. He'd be like, yeah, what do you guys need? We're begging. Yeah, half bird, half kilo. And he'd be like, okay. He'd open up a drawer in his kitchen, and there's just a fucking brick of Coke just sitting there. He'd just take a butter knife, whack it in half, Put it in a fucking garbage bag or something, or not a garbage bag, like a shopping bag, and just send us on our way. And it it was great, you know. We're we had like the best stuff in town. Um, I mean, once I start selling to my one friend, then he had other friends that wanted it, and they had other friends that wanted it, and I just had this huge customer base, like almost instantly. And I'm selling these grams for. You look like you want to say something. Well, I was going to say, like, how long does he, how long can he go being that you know open? How long can you can you, you know be that reckless without it catching up to you? Not very long. I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I get it. He's I'm thinking young, cocky, thinks everybody's his friend. It can't happen to me. Yep. I won't get busted. Like I, I get the, but yeah no it was it was crazy it was on a main street in boulder which is a college town he's got constant traffic in and out like from the street you can see in his kitchen 
it was like it was not a good setup and yeah he's got all these these girls that know what he's doing he's selling molly to all these girls right um, dealing with these cartel dudes getting bricks like it was just a it was just but he was a young kid like i understand you know just naive and uh, he wasn't he wasn't a seasoned like you were at 23 no he he was a rich kid he had sold stuff but he was a rich kid so How old were you at this point? At this point, I'm 24. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, he was a, a good drug dealer, but just kind of like Slop. really arrogant. Yeah, yeah. Just the rich kid arrogance. Like, oh, like I'm not worried about something happening. Like my, right. Parents. I didn't, my dad was a school teacher. My dad taught high school, public high school and my mom worked in a, a greenhouse. Um, I didn't come for money. So like I had more of like a street hustler mentality, you know, don't be flashy. Um, you don't flaunt your money. Right. Kind of shit. Um, but yeah, he, he had a Versace couch. It had like the Medusa heads and the handles. He had like a Persian rug, like a $10,000 rug. Right. Um, he was, yeah, it was of a 21 year old kid shouldn't, probably have that's right. never had a job in his life he's wearing gucci louis vuitton you know i'm wearing like nike stuff like just normal right. normal i look like a normal fucking pothead so yeah so we're doing this for a while um i'm like i'm i have a couple customers that are buying like half pounds um i'm taking one ounce because it's so good take one ounce add three ounces to cut to it and sell it for eight hundred. I'd, I'd sell a half pound for sixty four hundred. I just got two ounces fronted to me for twenty four hundred. So I'm turning around and making four thousand dollars just in ten minutes. Right. Um. But I'm also I'm mostly selling hundred dollar grams. Um. I had a couple other uh, friends that would buy ounces, half ounces, and sell it themselves. Um. One day, one of my friends that was buying. I think he was buying half ounces. He calls me up. He's like, hey, bro, um, I just finished. Or I'm about to go drop off the last of what I have. Can I get another half ounce? And I was like, yeah, meet me at your girl's place. I'll bring another one over there for you. Um, keep in mind, like, I'm just using my fucking phone. Like, I'm not even using a burner. Like, I'm right. so arrogant. Um, I'm just driving around. I have, like, one of those uh, dummy uh, aerosol cans with the bottom unscrews. Right. Around with grams pre-weighed out in there. Just drive around and sell and blow all day. Because the cops don't know what that is. Right. Totally. They they've never seen look look at this. Yeah. We've never seen this before. Oh, he's got look, he's got an aerosol can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was better than just keeping it in my pocket, you know. Um but I had like, you know, I had a, a BMW three twenty eight, um, like a newer one, but it wasn't flashy, you know, it's just like a normal I blend in. I look like a you know. I didn't have as many tattoos. Um, right. So I would just drive around in my little three series, just slinging grams 24 hours a day. And so I go to meet this kid at his girlfriend's house with this half ounce. And I get there I'm waiting. I call him. He doesn't answer. I call him again. He doesn't answer. I'm like starting to get pissed. I'm like, like, bro, you just have me drive across town with a half ounce of blow. Now you're not even fucking answering. So I call him a few more times. I'm pissed. I leave after like an hour. And 
later I found out he was going to drop off like seven grams to someone and he had a seizure, ran into a telephone pole with his truck, woke up surrounded by cops. So I was like, like, I know he's not going to snitch on me. Right. He was like, what if they go through his phone? You know, what if he doesn't cooperate, but what if it comes back on me? So like, I got a little, you know, I, I didn't stop doing it, but I got a little more. I was going to say, they need more than a message in the phone and, and his word, you know, or, or not even like a message. Cause we were smart on the phone, but what if he was like saying to someone, Hey, I'm about to go meet Dave, get more blow. So right. like that, so you just don't want him to get put them on you. Like you're not going to get arrested, but you just don't want your name even coming up in an investigation, right? You just don't right. want him to be. Okay, I thought you thought I thought you were thinking like they're just going to show up to your house and arrest you. No, no. And at this point, I hadn't. I have no criminal record besides like the thing in Iowa, which I mean, it was like a ticket. But yeah, I'm like I'm not on the police radar at all. Um, so I find out the next day from a mutual friend of ours, like, hey you know, so-and-so's in jail. Like he, he had a seizure and the cops got him and he had a scale with all this blow on him. Like he's, he's fucked. So I'm like, that's not good. So a couple days, I think it was like three days later, I find out that Jay got raided by the ATF and the DEA. And that's you think it's related. No, 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 no absolutely just coincidence okay but between those two things i was like all right just, yeah i'm spooked at this point so i'm like i'm out and yeah it, uh jay ended up he got i think seven years in the feds um he had like i want to say 500 grams of blow like 300 grams of molly bunch of acid uh uzi and ak a money counter, 70 grand cash, you know, what, I, what is the, the, the rich kid selling Coke need an Uzi for, bro. It's you know? like rich kid selling Coke starter pack. You need a new, yeah. you, you need a money counter. Like you need a lot of stuff for, from Versace. Yeah. You need to act like you're a gangster. You're new to this world. You know, I did. I, you don't ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You need a $10,000 couch for your trap house. Yeah. You need, uh, you need seven years to get your head right is what yeah. you really need. And that's what the judge probably said. Listen, what are you doing? Oh, he tried to play the mental health card, uh, the, the drug addiction card. They were like, no, they don't care. They're like, oh, you treatment. I was going to say, oh, you have, oh, we'll give you the RDAP program. Yeah, exactly. We'll give you, they have a drug program. Good. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. We're going to go ahead and we're going to send you to a great place. It's a residential treatment center. Yeah, his his like defense was like, oh, he already got accepted to this uh, residential treatment center, and they're they're like, okay, cool, yeah, but we have our own. Yeah, that's for your job. Yeah. <laughs> it's free. Yeah, it's free. It's better. Yeah, private security. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be great. Yeah. yeah, can't walk away from this one. Yep. A lot of those, a lot of those places, you just walk away. You get tired three days later. You're like, I'm yeah. leaving. You walk away. Don't worry. Yeah, we got you. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. He, he goes in, he's like 5'10", like 120 pounds soaking wet, um, no tattoos. He starts posting pictures on Instagram like five years later, like five years into his bid, or maybe it's like three or four years. He's got his hairs like past his shoulders. He's fucking yoked, bro. Like, right. Like 250 pounds solid muscle. 
full tattoo sleeve. Just looks like completely different. And what state? What state was this? Or fed? Or the feds? The, he was in the feds. Okay. Yeah. Because um, it was a ATF uh, DEA um, operation. But um, another funny thing worth mentioning about Jay was he was a rapper. Um, <laughs> guy. He's, he, listen, he paid Gucci Mane. You know who Gucci Mane is? Yeah. Yeah. Gucci. Right. Big Gucci. He paid Gucci 50 grand for a verse. And this is right when Gucci got out of prison. What's this? Uh... And I'm just like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. So, and then Gucci doesn't even let him um, drop the song. He straight hustled him. No. Yeah, absolutely. A... He did a music video. It wouldn't let him show the music. rapper hustled some some yeah. kid for out of fifty thousand dollars. Stop it! I'm not gonna. I will not sit here and listen to you talk <laughs> my ass or insinuate. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, I I failed to mention that earlier, but that's like you know paints the picture of the skin. Yeah, he's he's a rapper. He's rapping about this shit, dude. He needs seven years. Hey, he's he's doing the shit he's rapping about. I will give him credit for that. No one can knock him for that. (laughs) He was doing what he was rapping about. Oh my god. So so yeah, he he just got out actually. Um, I haven't talked to him, um, but yeah, he's he's out now. He should do a podcast. He really should. You should have him on here. Listen, I knew a guy, a white guy that had dreads that was like, and 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 balding, white balding guy with dreads. With such a good look. Named Bobby, who's like 40 years old and used to sit there and, and rap in the unit. And it was just like, this is like, if the, if the white guy with dreads wasn't just sad enough, balding wasn't sad enough, you're also a rapper. And he would convince you that he was, he was, he was going to be a rapper when he got out. He was blowing up when he got out. He was going to blow. He's going to be huge. He's been writing songs for 10 years. He's going to be huge. He's going to yeah. be huge. These are amazing. Yep. I think he does. I think he makes pools now. I think he installs. We're hey, friends. Everyone needs a day job. Yeah. No, I mean, it's still, it could still happen. Yeah, totally. Got a pretty girlfriend. Hey. I don't know about the rapping thing. I don't know that, that if that took off. I don't think so. But hey, find his SoundCloud. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'll, I'll look. Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> You gotta love jailhouse rappers, right? Yeah, they're the best. Used to, used to, yeah, used to joke with my. Listen, listen. Let me tell you something real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah. So I met my wife at the halfway house, right? Yeah, and we used to like, and you know, so I would come to come home from work, and she would like wait, and we would eat dinner together sometimes. Just it happened a few times, so I started thinking it was like a thing, and then one time. I texted her. I said, like, hey, I'm going to be I'm going to be back there at this time. You want to have dinner? And she goes, I can't. She said, I'm I'm tired. I, I got to wake up early. I'm tired. I'm just going to bed. I said, oh, OK, that's fine. She'd been working all day. But I come back and I walk in. And as I walk in, you know, they got like a sally port. They check you. They look at your oh, phone. Yeah. Like, back to into the halfway house. Back in the halfway house. Yeah. And I walk in and I look up. I'm going to head toward the little cafeteria. I look up and she's sitting at the table with Bubby. Listen. So, so Bubby was in the halfway house. Of he course. Was he was in prison with me and in the halfway house. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was in my, and he was in my unit. So you guys go way back. Well, like, not that I ever talked to him very much. I mean, <laughs> so we don't have a lot in common. Like that. So 
he was just shy of having the the gold teeth, but he they arrest probably arrested him before he could get the gold teeth. So, you know, I looked up and I saw she looks up and she sees me and she kind of like looks at there and she knows that I'm thinking. Oh. And then you know, listen, I just I got the as soon as I got my food, came back, she, I got the tech. Hey, listen, you, you know, I I know how that looked. Yeah, when in when in reality you're you're pissed, but in reality she's like she doesn't want to be talking to Bobby as any more than you want her to be talking. Yeah, well, that's what she says. I and believe. I, I believe. Listen, well, listen. I mean, I I think she made the in the end. I think she made the right move. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, she's with yeah. you now. You guys are married, so yeah. Listen, I I'm, I'm mad at her all over again. Just just talking about just talking it. about it. I'm getting, I'm getting upset. Just she could come in. I'll have an attitude. She can be like, "What's wrong? Don't, don't worry about it." Don't worry about it. How's Bobby? Yeah. How's it SoundCloud? She'd be like, who? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't remember him. How long ago were you guys in the halfway house? Three years ago? Oh, yeah, about four, four years ago. Four years ago? Yeah, he's Bobby's. <laughs> yeah. That's Bobby. It. We all know a Bobby. You know, we have a couple of them in here. <laughs> We're, yeah. I keep my headphones on pretty much all the time. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. I didn't mean oh, to get you no, off track. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I need a Jay got arrested. Jay. So yeah, Jay gets arrested. Um, you got spooked. You said, I'm I done. You get stopped selling the blow. Zach, um, Zach kept selling. Um, so at this point I'm, I'm making hash again. Cause I kind of stopped making hash. Cause I was just like, I'm just, I'm a fucking Coke dealer now. Um, you know, that's, I don't have time to make cash. I'm running around serving these college kids 24 seven. I'd be out till, you know, I'd get calls at six in the morning. I'm get, getting ready to lay down. Finally, I've been out all night. This is like a fucking Tuesday night, like an average Tuesday. And I had these, these customers that were crackheads and they'd take it and cook it down. And so they're, they're fucking just awful. Like they'd buy a half gram at one o'clock, uh, call me at three for another half gram. And then at five for like another half gram. I'm like, listen, guys, you know, you can just buy a gram and a half. No, because right, they tell themselves, they tell themselves, this, this is it. it. This, this is it, bro. I, I love it when, when they, I always say the guys that say like, like, listen, I'm going to buy this. If I come back, don't sell to me because the only money I got left is my rent money. Oh yeah. Those don't guys are the worst because no you're, you're like, I'm not going to sell to you, bro. You told me not to sell to you. Oh no! Typically, they, typically, what drug dealers do is they go, they take the they take the rent money, and they go, "You're gonna come up with it, bro. You'll be all right. You're yeah. gonna be all right." I wasn't that ruthless. <laughs> I would at least put up a fight, but eventually, it's like, no, I, I can't take, take I can't take your rent money. No, no. Okay. Oh no! Th- listen, I had guys that were they were giving me their last dime, you know, and. Worst guys were like the crackheads that would call you. I actually went to this one party one time and I ended up going back five times to sell a gram each time. So they bought five grams for $500. I was like, you guys realize if you had just called me at the beginning of the night with $500, I would have gave you a, a quarter. I would have gave you two extra grams. Right. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, I didn't, you know, and I'm driving, I'm just, I have to make all these trips back and forth. Like, this is a big inconvenience. I'm only making $40 every time, you know? So, 
yeah, so that's that's over and done with. Like I I had time to make hash again and start making hash again. Um, I the hash thing kind of started to like fizzle out, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start growing again. I'm gonna go back to my roots, and I start. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended, right? Um, my roots. I didn't look okay. it, but anyways, so um, my dad and I. Like, what about? And I hate to say this. Yeah, yeah. What about like getting a job? That is my job. No. I... What do you mean? <laughs> I'm working 12 hours a day, bro. Never mind. That's all I know. I've been doing it since I was 12 years old, man. I mean, your buddies are getting busted left and right. Like, you saw like seven years. Like, this guy do it. Huh? Growing. I, don't, I didn't have any guns or ounces of Molly or anything. Listen, the other good thing about my arrangement with Zach was that. I had no incentive to buy a large quantity because there was no break for me if I got one ounce or 10 ounces. He's right. giving me the best price he can. So I'm only getting what I know I can sell in like a day or what I can get rid of like right away. Right. So I don't ever have large quantities of blow at my house. Um, so that was like the big advantage. That and him, he was fronting it to me. So it, I was looking at these guys getting busted, but they're, they're not as smart as me. You know, that, that you know how it is. Not, I know exactly how it is. Yeah, that's not going to happen to me. So, yeah. So I go back to to growing, and my dad and I had just moved into this uh, this house that was like twice the size of the house we were living in before. It had a huge basement with like like eight or nine foot ceilings. I I hit up one of my friends who was a he was a, a good grower, uh, still is. And I was like, hey, man, like, I don't have enough money to build out my basement the way I want to. Um, would you be interested in partnering up? I'll give you 30% of the grow. You pay for the renovation and all the equipment and we'll be partners. And he's like, sure, let's do it. So it took a year. I did most of the construction, like the framing and the drywall um, we had someone come in and do the HVAC, but, um, I did most of the work and it, it ended up, it turned out great. Like it was a badass grow, but it, it took a year. So that year I was, I was struggling. I didn't have any money coming in, but I knew it was going to pay off eventually. So we finally finish it. And the first crop is just amazing. And this is, it's like a nice neighborhood too. It was like, when we when we got raided, it was like, it was, it was a bad look. Like it was not that we were coming back there, but yeah, the, the neighbors hated us. Um, we had kids. Like there's like a doggy daycare next door. Like it was ridiculous. But so this first crop was great, and I think we got 40, 40 pounds of of fresh weed. And our plan was to give it to one of his partners in another venture that was making a uh, bubble hatch. So to do that, you, you take the weed before it's dried and you make it into hash. So we had about 40 pounds of fresh weed, which would, which would have been about um, 10, 12 pounds if it was dry. So the dry weight equivalent. Um, and so... I, I mean, I knew who this kid was that was going to be making the hash. He was going to take the entire harvest, turn it into hash, and take his 25%. Just 
just like I was doing for other people. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't making this type of hash, the bubble hash. I was making a butane hash. So butane hash at this point was like a dinosaur. Like no one wanted it. It, it devalued like crazy. It was like three, 400 an ounce. Um, but this bubble hash was, you know, going for like 1200 an ounce. So we're like, all right, this is like the, the best way to maximize our profits from this crap. So the kid that he was going to, that he was working with, that was going to make our hash. He was like, talk about just flamboyant and like asking for trouble. Like this kid was, he'd have a go yard, um, man purse, you know, like those like $4,000 man purses, Louis bell, like just supreme stuff. Like he was just ridiculous. And he was just a brat. Like we'd go to like this nice sushi place. It was like, you know, we'd spend like a thousand dollars on like sushi there. It was a really nice restaurant. And he'd be like complaining that they don't have this type of soda. And he'd be throwing his chopsticks and like just acting a fool. Like this kid was, he was the worst. And I was like, we're about to give this kid like 50 grand worth of shit that we just worked like a year producing. Like I, I just didn't feel good about it. I didn't trust the kid. And so I took, unbeknownst to my partner, I took it like a pound of fresh weed. And I gave it to one of my buddies up here in Fort Collins. The other kid was in Denver. And I was like, hey, man, run this for me. I want to see how it does, you know, before I, I give it to this other kid. And he he runs it and he gets back like a 5% return, which is good. I was happy with that. I was like, all right, cool. I still didn't tell my partner, though. I was like, all right, so we should be getting back like 5% on that 40 pounds, like whatever that comes out to. So... We give the material, all the, the harvest to the kid to make hash with. And I'm sitting there for like a couple of weeks. I'm like doing the math. I'm like, all right, we're going to have this much hash. It's going to be this much money. Like we're going to be good. This, this is working out. My partner comes back and he's like, bro, it only yielded like one and a half percent or like under one and a half percent. And I, to this day, I think he was in on it. Right. You know, I was like, nah, right. I percent. I, I, he didn't know that I tested it. So I knew that either the kid that made the hash was fucking me. Right. Or they were both fucking me. So I knew this, this guy, um, we'll call him R and R I met when he first moved to Colorado, um, like 2015 or so. I was like one of the first people he met out here. And I hadn't talked to him in a few years, but I saw him over at Jay's house. He ended up becoming Jay's roommate. And I saw him over there one day and we reconnected, you know, and he's like, good to see you, bro. Like he's telling everyone, he's like, yo, this is one of the first motherfuckers that taught me about growing weed. And he was one of the first people I met out here. He's like, this is my dog. And this kid's like, he's like 6'4", like just massive Colombian kid. Like he was a gangster, bro. Right. And he's he's in the feds right now. I think he's doing like, I think he got like 18 years, um, all kinds of weapons, charges, drugs, everything, all that good stuff. So I get with my buddy who's who also knows him and we call him and we're like, hey, bro, get this. I just gave this kid you know, 
30 grand worth of weed and he gave me back like 10 grand worth of hash. Like he, this kid just fucking robbed me. Right. And he's like, all right, what do you want to do? And I was like, send your people over there with a U-Haul. Who's this people? I didn't want to know. They, they weren't bad people. They were really bad people. Okay. So I'm like, send your people over there with a U-Haul. Here's this kid's address. Um, I told him what kind of car that his roommate drove so that they knew that the roommate wouldn't be there because the roommate worked for my partner. And yeah. so I didn't, and he was a good kid. He was a little goofy, but he was a good kid. I didn't want him getting hurt. Um, cause this was going to be a home invasion. This wasn't going to be a, a, like, this is going to be bad. Right. So I'm like, listen, this kid, he's sitting on like at least my $20,000 worth of product. Right. No, he's got cash. I was like, you send your guys in, they can keep the money. They can keep the hash. I just want this kid's grow equipment and all of his designer clothes. Like I it was more about making this kid suffer than it was me getting back without it. Right. Wrong. So he's like, bet. I'm, let me make a call real quick. Makes the call. He's like, all right, my guys are good to go. You want to do this tomorrow? I was like, let's do it tomorrow. So these two guys, they go rent a U-Haul and they they go to the address and they're staking it out and the roommate's not there but like i was talking to my partner i was like hey like um have you heard from so-and-so like is he like i I made up some excuse to talk to him i was like i got someone else that like wants him to make hash or something i was like is he he at his house and he's like yeah yeah he's just there chilling like he just made some hash or whatever and i'm like i call my dude and i'm like hey he's in there so like no one else is there like tell your guys they're good to go so they go up to the front door and they have you know some stupid pistols um and they they knock on the door this is like these two like just like middle-aged black dudes um and they knock on the door um and the kid is inside watching He's been watching the whole time that these guys are parked in the U-Haul and they just walked out. They've been watching his house, just walked over to his door and started knocking. He calls my partner who's on his way up from Denver to my house to do some work in in the grow. And he's like, he's like, bro, uh, so-and-so just called me. He said these, these two dudes are like outside his house right now that they've been like watching his house. That's crazy. I was like, they're like, what does he know them? He's like, no, dude, he's never seen these guys before in his life. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's wild. But, you know, keep me posted. And I already know what's going on. Right. So these guys, they don't get an answer in the front door, so they walk around to the back door, and it's like a glass sliding door. There's like a walkout basement. And I we got two different versions of what happened from there, but the version that I'm going with that makes the most sense to me is these guys shot out the back door and the kid was inside. He he knows what time it is, so he's ready. He's got his gun. <laughs> and somehow one one of the guys that I sent there got shot. 
oh, that's that's not good. No, it was bad. And he tried to say that it was kid that shot him. But then the kid, like later on, we hear this story from the kid that he didn't shoot at all. So my theory is that they, the dude accidentally shot himself. Right. It was in the hand. He accidentally shot himself in the hand. So when that happened, um, they, you know, scurried off back to the U-Haul, um, freaking out, you know. Um, I get a call from my buddy. Not quite as gangster as they thought. No. <laughs> and it's, it's easy to be a gangster when the other person has no idea you're coming. It's not so, <laughs> not so much fun when the rabbits got the gun. So anyway, so I'm like, all right, it's going down right now. I'm going to get the call. Like I'm sitting there with my buddy who like also knew he was the only other one that knew what was going on. So we're like, all right, we're going to get the call. Like they're in there right now. We're going to get the call. Everything went good. And you know, we're in a plan. We'll have them come up to a storage unit, bring all the equipment and we'll, we'll break bread. And we get a call really. It, it was quick. I was like, wow, that was fast. These guys are good. Um, and the dude's freaking out. He's like, bro, my dude is shot. Like, do you know uh, a nurse or a doc? I was like, no, like go to the hospital. I'm not a gangster. He's like, yeah, I'm like, this isn't, this is your business. And he's like, bro, he can't go to the hospital. Like with a gunshot wound. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've seen that on TV. Like that's, yeah, you can't do that. So I'm like, let me make some calls. And I knew like, who was it? It was like some chick that I knew her sister was a nurse or something. And I was like, Hey, like this is kind of a big ask, but I got a friend that's like hurt. And like, I was wondering if your sister could help. And she's like, well, what, what's wrong? And I was like, um, he, he got shot. And she's like, no, my sister it will not. No, absolutely not. So I called you back. I'm like, Hey bro, like I tried, but you know, just put some dirt on it, you know, some <laughs> walk it off. It's his hand. He'll be good. Yeah. I was like, no, bro. He's like missing his pinky. Like, like <laughs> I'm like, uh, man, like, and they didn't get anything obviously. No. So I'm like, all right, dude, look like what, what, what are, what's it going to take to make this right? And he's like, we settled on like an ounce hash. So like 1200. Yeah, twelve hundred for a pinky? Yeah, that's not bad. I was like, hey, if these guys aren't going to come after me now, it's only going to cost me twelve hundred bucks. Consider it done. So, listen, that could have gone wrong. Like during a home, like let's say they did a home invasion, they got shot. Yeah, let's say that tracked back to you. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, no. I mean, it got shot, like shot and killed, and oh yeah, show up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, it was. You know, I'm thinking kosher nostra. Like this is. This guy wronged me. He's fucking paying. I wasn't thinking like rationally, you know? Right. So. <laughs> so. So does the guy put it together? No. So, oh, bro, this is a great story. Um, so my partner calls. He's still on my way on the way to my house when this all goes down. He's like, bro, these guys just tried to rob E. Uh, there was a shooting. Like, I got to I got to beeline back to denver i was like that's fucking crazy bro like yeah go do what you got to do so i'm sitting there like inside i'm like fucking pissed that this didn't work out now i gotta pay these dudes money right like i was pissed but i'm like yeah bro that, that's crazy i hope he's okay oh shit i just said his name 
uh, it's not his real name. It's his initial. So I'm like, I hope he's okay. Um, let me know what's going on when you get down there. Um, don't worry about coming up to do the work. I'll handle the work tonight. And so he goes down there and the kid is like, he has a, I didn't know this. He has a warrant out for his arrest this whole time. So the kid just took his dog and like a backpack full of shit and just abandoned his house. Just ran. He's hiding in the woods down the street from his house. My partner has to go pick him up and like save him. And so he's like, yeah, I just picked him up. Like he has a warrant. Um, we're going to go back to my house. I'm going to set him up there. Uh, him and his girl are going to chill there. And then I'm going to come up and we're going to do the work. I'm like, all right, that, that, that works. So he does that. He comes up. We're talking about it. I'm like, so what happened? You know, like playing dumb. And, and he's like, dude, it, it was bad. Like that, uh, there's shooting and you know, the cops came and so they're, they're business partners. So my, my partner has access to the kids security cameras. So we're sitting there watching the police, the detectives at his front door from the security camera at my house. And we're watching them. They're talking about the shooting. They're, they're looking for shell casing, blah, blah, blah. And we're watching them when they leave. And my, this is like, you, you think I'm a scumbag for this? Listen to what my partner does. So he's like, bro, all, all of his stuff is like still in there and no one's there. We, we should go get it. And I'm like, for safekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like nobody could rip him off. Yeah. Exactly. We should put your origin. We might as well get it if, if he's, if he doesn't, if no one else is going to claim it, why, why let it go to waste? I'm like, dude, that's a good idea. But I was like, God, that's our boy though. Like, sure. It's he's like, a home invasion for. Yeah. I'm like, you sure, bro? And he's like, yeah, man, like, let's do it. So we wait till the next day. And this kid is staying at my partner's house with his girl. They're shook. He's planning. He's going to run to Maine because he, he's like, they're going to be looking for me now because of this warrant. Now the shooting, like I'm fucked. I got to get out of Colorado. So he's laying low at my partner's house. And so my partner sets up this plan. He's like, all right, bro. At like 1 a.m., I'm going to tell him I'm going to meet my partners. He's a great guy. He's like, I'm telling him I'm going to go meet this Tinder girl at like one. And then we're going to meet up. You come down to Denver. I'll, I'll go. He lived a little south of Denver. He's like, I'll drive up to Denver and we'll meet down the street. And I was like, all right, bet. So I was like, I was like, bring the homie that works for you. And I'll bring the homie that was working for me at the time. And I was like, it'll be the four of us. I'll, I'll stop at Walmart. I'll get some walkie talkies. Um, I'll get masks. I'll, I'll bring garbage bags. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this right. You know, this is impossible. It really was. Right. So, so I have like this, um, expedition at this time. So I rip out the, the back seats, like clear it out. So it's good to haul all this shit back. And we meet up like at the gas station around the corner and we're, we're going over this plan. Right. But it's like our, you know, we're doing our little, like, uh, when he, when he, uh, debrief. Right. Or brief. 
and um it's like 1 32 in the morning um middle of the week uh or it, it might have been a friday actually and we're at this gas station like in a not great part of denver um and we go inside we're like all right let's go get some like you know red bulls before we we do this you know right um so we we all go in and we're like right around the corner from the house and we get some red bulls we come out i think i was me and one of the other ones that it was the four of us were the last ones out of the gas station and as we're walking out it's on an intersection this car got t-boned as we're walking out and the other car flipped there's like these girls in there like freaking out like like we we weren't sure if they were dead the car's upside down like it was it, we just heard it we heard like boom and we're like what the fuck was that and we're all sitting out there just like stunned and the one kid that the kind of he's like a simple kid that worked for my partner he's trying to run over there to help he's i'm like bro what are you what are you doing this is we got to go now all the cops are going to be here like this right is He's like, no, they need help. They need help. I was like, bro, you're not a fireman. Like, let them go get help. Let's roll. So we fucking we look, we saddle up, and we're like, this this couldn't have worked out better. So <laughs> it's just so it's wrong it's on so, so wrong. many different like, levels. But it's funny. Sorry, of course I wasn't in the car. So <laughs> yeah. So we we roll. We follow each other, and we have his his street like is up on a hill and it's just one way in and one way out so it like i so you come up the hill and it's like a corner and then it's the same thing on the other side so we had one person in my car my my worker in my car at one end and my partner at the other end so we could see if anyone came up drove up the street and we all had the walkies so we we get dropped off at the front door. They go post up on the on the corners, and they're keeping watch while me and um, the simple guy go in with uh, contractor bags and flashlights. And we're like thinking we're we got to break down like the door or um, they boarded up the glass door that got shot out. We're gonna have to rip that out. And we walk up. Front door is unlocked. So we just walk right in. Well. And- doesn't you said the kid had like cameras, like a surveillance? The cops, the cops unplugged it all. Oh, okay. Yeah, the cops ended up unplugging the cameras while they were there. Um, or no, they, they, so while they left, but then they came back with the landlord the next day. They unplugged the cameras, turned off the power, and boarded up the back door. But and left the front door unlocked. Left the fucking front door unlocked. Really? All right. So, so we go in. We got our flashlights. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go take the downstairs. You go. So the kid, the simple kid lived there. He was the roommate. Right. So he was like, I want to go to my bedroom and like get some of my personal stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that that's cool. Like, you know, um, you go do that. I'm going to go start downstairs. Um, and then we're going to meet back up in the grow room and we're both going to take down the grow stuff and get it uh, staged by the front door to get picked up. And I was like, I'll call you on the walkie-talkie or call me on the walkie-talkie. Um, 
like when you're done or whatever, um, I'll call you if I need help. He's like, okay, cool. I go downstairs and this kid's got like a, a shoe display with like, um, like six pairs of Yeezys. You know what Yeezys are? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's a sneakers, right? They're like uh, Kanye's Adidas sneakers. They're like anywhere from three to a thousand dollars, three hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. They're like really expensive shoes. So I see the Yeezys, get those in a trash bag because I already knew like what this kid had and what I wanted. Right. I was like, I had a plan. So I get the Yeezys, go in his bedroom. It's just like this kid was just like ghetto rich, bro. He had a fucking TV with a couch and a bed. That was all the furniture he had. Um, I go into his closet and I was just like overwhelmed. I was like, this is like all designer shit. So I just started, started throwing everything in a garbage bag. Louis belt, the, the Goyard man purse, Supreme stuff. Supreme's really expensive. And I'm like holding it up I'm like, well, oh, shit, this is my side. Great. So I, I load all of this kid's wardrobe into like two contractor bags. Right. And that was pretty much then that he had the big screen TV. I was like everything of value. So I get the two contractor bags, lug them up the stairs to the uh, front door. And then I go to the garage where the grow wells. And I call the kid on the walkie. I'm like, bro, what the fuck is taking so long? Like, I'm done. I'm sitting here waiting to take these lights down. Where the fuck are you? No answer. I'm like, yo, where you at? No answer. Fucking idiot forgot his fucking walkie talkie in the car. And my worker answers. He's like, hey, bro, like so-and-so forgot his walkie talkie in the car. And then my partner chats. He's like, stop saying fucking names in the walkie talkies, you idiots. And I'm like, God damn it. Fuck it. I want to say his name so bad because God damn it. You know, so-and-so. And I go and find him in his bedroom and he's fucking just dicking around, fucking going through his drawer. I'm like, bro, like, let's, you can buy new clothes later. Like, you don't, it's not like anything is like, get your valuables and let's go. Right. So we go to the, the garage and there's these uh, eight LED lights. They're like $1,500 lights. Um, and we start, they're, they're, the cords are going to somewhere in the ceiling. So I have, I planned this out. I had like uh, wire cutters. So I'm like, hold the light. I'm going to cut it, take it to the front and set it by the door. So we do that. We get all the lights out. Then he had uh, this hash making stuff. It was a, a rosin press, which I don't need to explain what it is, but it was like $8,000 machine. Then he had another um, like seven, $8,000 machine to dry the hash with. This is the stuff that we needed to make the hash ourselves. Right. So we, this stuff's like fucking heavy. So we're lugging it to the front door and we get everything staged. We call everyone. We're like, all right, guys, pull up. We're ready to go. They pull up. Takes us about a minute, maybe two minutes to load everything up. And it like just barely fit in my uh, expedition. And... We ended up having all four of us had to pick the one machine up. It was really heavy. And we got everything loaded up. He goes back to his house. You know, Tinder girl went great. You know, he's the kid was passed out on the couch with his girlfriend. Um, and we drive back to Fort Collins. And we're like so excited. We're like, we just hit this fucking lick. Like, fuck this kid. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and to this day, the kid thinks that it was the cops that in the back stuff he did yeah had no idea and my father about the, the cash and that uh the hash and the cash that you guys thought was 
was there. That was what that was all he took with him in oh, when, with the okay. So that wasn't there. But funny enough, he has all that stuff with him at my partner's house. And he leaves it there and he goes to Maine to hide. And he's like, Yeah, just like to my partner, like sell the hash when you're done, uh, send me the money, whatever. So my partner calls me up. He's like, Hey bro, like homie like left all this hash in my freezer and he was like let's fucking just keep it and split it great great friend and uh i'm like all right yeah let's do it so we uh oh no i forgot about this in between the kid going to maine and him deciding to take the kid's hash he gets raided Completely unrelated. Like his neighbors called it in. Your buddy? Part. Oh, okay. It's raided. And the cops take, um, they cut all his plants down. Um, they think he had a bunch of uh, fresh frozen weed that needed to be made into hash. They took that, but somehow they didn't open up his freezer and find the pounds of hash that belonged to the other kid. So that's that's what made him decide to take it because he's like bro i'm gonna need i just got hit like right fucked i need money for a lawyer blah 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 so he's like we're gonna take his hash and i need it more than he does uh so he comes back up to fort collins with the hash and it's a good it's it's a lot um i think we ended up getting like 20 something grand for it um and i got my cut and he took his, got his lawyer, whatever, whatever. Um, and yeah, so that the it ended up working out, but it was so different than how we thought it was going to go. Right. But yeah, so then we don't have a hash guy, you know, um, which I ended up, I ended up filling that role because I mean, now you have the equipment. Yeah. yeah now, well. All right, so we actually took the equipment to uh, a coke dealer that we knew in town. Um, Zach had already overdosed at this point, um, but it was another friend of the broker friend, and he we gave it to him as collateral for a loan. He gave us like ten thousand dollars for it, and then we're supposed to give him twelve thousand back in a month, and we would get the equipment back. And we talked about it. We're like, you know, we we don't really need the equipment. Like we just basically sold it for 10 grand and he's right i'm cool with that if you're cool with that i'm like yep let's do it so we ended up getting like you know 30 grand and we didn't sell the grow lights though those are worth like 12 grand and we kept those and used those and shortly i think it actually might have been just before this i got this opportunity to start a new grow um with an old friend that I had lost contact with and I was selling like some fans on Craigslist, some grow fans and he comes over and it's him. He lost all his weight. I didn't recognize him. I was like, yo, what's up? Like, I haven't seen you in years. I used to sell him Coke and shit. And he tells me about this, this place that he's got an opportunity to start to grow, but he, he can't afford to, to build it and equipped it. So I was like, all right, well let's work together. You know, I'm working with this dude. This is my partner. The three of us can work together and we'll we'll get something going. So we use that money that we got from 
all that whole ordeal. And we used that to start this new grow. And this was like a lot bigger. Like we, up until this point, we did like basement grows. So did what? Basement grows. Like in oh, okay. the, the uh, basement yeah. houses. Right. Um, this is going to be like our first, like larger scale project. It was, it was a, a pole barn. Um, is like, you know, we'll say like 40 by 40 feet, um, 12 foot ceilings. Um, but it was going to be like a big project. So we had, we put in all the money we had. It was like 30 grand or something. Um, the one kid didn't put any money in. It was just, he found the spot. That was his contribution. Um, I put in all the money I had. My partner put in all the money he could. And we get like the framing done and then we like kind of hit a wall and we're like, fuck, like we're going to have to either wait like three months for another harvest or we're going to have to find someone else to give us money to invest. And I was like, all right, I can get us the money, but you guys aren't going to like how. And they're like, how? And I was like, I, I could start selling Coke again. And they were like pretty against it, but they were like, all right, if this is what it takes to make this happen, just do it. So I start selling Coke again. Um, I'm stepping on it like crazy this time because I'm just trying to fucking make money. Right. And I'm I'm working on the grow. Like I'm doing most of the, the, the work, the construction and stuff, but I'm also selling blow. And I end up, getting enough money together to finish it. Um, and it took about a little under a year. And we had this beautiful, huge grow. And it was uh, two 10 light rooms. So to put that in perspective, our basement grow in my house was eight lights. So this is more than twice the size, higher ceilings. It was all automated. Um, I could control all the equipment from my phone, um, from my house. Um, it was, it was sick. And the first harvest was like, it was kind of a pain in the ass getting everyone to do their part. I was there 12 hours minimum a day, but like, to, it was like pulling teeth to get my partners to do fucking anything. Um, so after the first one, the dude that found the spot, he's like, look, bro, this is too much for me. It's putting strain on my relationship. I just don't think I can do it. And I, I was like, okay, then you're out. And he's like, well, like I was thinking like I could get like some of the, like a cut of the money, like going for, I was like, no dude, like you didn't put any money in. You barely did any fucking work. Like, no. So he just, he's out. So right. now I go from a 33% partner to I took his 33%. And so now I'm the majority owner. Bless you. Excuse me. Sorry. You're good. Bless you. And um, so now I'm I'm a 67% owner and my other partner's uh, 33%. And he's also 30% at my house. And he doesn't even have his own grow at this point because he got raided. Right. And, he's just partners in your two grows. Yeah, and he's supposed to be doing like a lot of 
well, especially since he doesn't have his grows anymore because he was doing his grows and my grows. Um, but I mean, I'm working, you know, 15 hours a day, some days, seven days a week, no days off, um, managing both of these grows. And this kid's like coming up two, three hours at a time, uh, two or three times a week. And I'm just like, dude, this, this isn't going to work. Like you need to start pulling your fucking weight around here or else you're going to end up like the other guy. I was, I was like it, you know how they say, don't go into business with your friends. Yeah. That's the truest shit ever because at the end of it, you're not going to be friends. Right. These are like really great friends of mine. And I, I felt wronged by them because I felt taken, felt taken advantage of. And I didn't feel like they deserved what they were getting. And I was a dick about it. I was, I, I really could have handled it a lot better, but I didn't think I was in the wrong. I still don't think I was in the wrong. It just sucked that they didn't pull their weight and it came down. It ended up how it ended up. So there was like a week or two weeks where he barely came up. And I'm telling my other friend who's a grower about this. And he's like, bro, you need to cut that kid off. He's fucking dead weight. Like he's making, he's seeing all the work I'm doing and he's actually helping me. He was a really good friend too. And he's like, bro, fuck him. And I was like, you're right. Fuck him. So I changed the fucking locks on him. Didn't tell him anything. Let him come up. And I see him on the camera, like trying to get in. He's getting all looking around. He calls me. He's like, hey, bro, I'm trying to get into the, the grow. Like, what's up? And I'm like, yeah, bro, you're, you're done. I was like, you know, it, this just isn't working out. Um, I'll I'll pay you out. Um, I told him I'd pay him like seventy grand and pay him anything. But I was like, yeah, you'll 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 get you know you'll get your cut, and just don't even worry about it. You can go back to sitting on your ass doing whatever the fuck you do all day in Denver. He's like, all right, fuck you whatever. But he knew, like deep down that. And he was he wasn't pulling his weight so he really he didn't have much to say about it so now i'm the proud owner of both of these grows and it's i mean it's a lot of work and i have like people help me here and there um my girlfriend at the time would trim um i had a couple people that would help me trim but really i'm just like Top of one man show, one man fucking army, bro. It was, it was brutal. Um, I was barely, I was falling asleep standing up. Like, it was, it was like affecting my health. It was a lot of stress. Um, but I, I made it work. And my, my dad started helping like at, at the house with that grow. And um, eventually, I'm like, I, I was giving because I was doing so much grow work. I was giving it to someone else to make the hash and taking the just taking the 25% hit because there's too much work and eventually I'm just me being you know me I'm like you know what I'm gonna start making the hash and I'm gonna get 100% of the profit not thinking like it's gonna be way too much fucking work right so I build this walk-in cooler in my garage um it was sick I did the tile work at, it was it was great and it held like 32 degrees, which is like, you want it to be really cold when you're making bubble hash. It 
you know, just produce better quality hash. So I'm a single source operation now. I'm making like, you know, 10, 15 grand a month out of my basement, like 20, 30 out of the other place. I'm like, I'm doing really well for myself. And I'm like, I'm buying toys, like, you know, buying, we'll get into the gun thing. You know, that's for another time, but I'm buying guns. I'm buying 3D printers. I'm buying tools. Um, I was wearing this kid's designer clothes. So I didn't need clothes. I was good. I was good in that department. I wore his clothes for like two years. until I went to jail. Um, but yeah, I wasn't like spending money crazy. I was reinvesting it into the grows. The grows were just incredible. Um, so I'm just like killing it. I was, I started making the, the rosin it's called. Um, I'm running both of my grows. Everything's great. You know, I'm stockpiling guns. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm making a bunch of money. Um, but I really didn't want to talk about this, but it's like, I have to, because it just, the ending won't make sense without it. I'm dating this chick. And she's just, she's an alcoholic, um, uh, meth head. Uh, she starts smoking meth like after I met her. And she, she was just like crazy, bro. Like absolutely batshit crazy. I've dated that chick. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. And um, there was times where she thought um, people were, uh, talking to her through her cat's water bowl. Oh and, my God. She should definitely be on that. Yeah. That's the right drive for that. She's calling me, um, telling me that I bugged her computer and I'm, li- I'm like, I, I, you, you can't even do that to a MacBook. Like you, you, you're being paranoid, like go to sleep, you know, you've been up for seven days. Like it's time to go to bed. Okay. And she's just like, she would just go on these fucking benders and just be impossible. And like, keep in mind, like she's not working. She'd like drive Uber sometimes. And I'm, you know, paying her rent, um, buying her shit, um, you know, just buying us food all the time and taking care of her. Like when she's like, I thought she was overdosing one time. She turned blue or her lips turned blue. And I was like, I got to get her to the fucking hot. She's like unresponsive. Like it was, it was really scary. So I took her to the hospital, made sure she was okay. Um, She ended up being okay. Like she was fucked up, but she ended up being okay. And then she gets mad at me because her dad's health insurance wouldn't pay for it. So now she goes to the hospital 2500 bucks now i'm the bad guy i you know right. i'm like you're out of your mind but anyway so she's she's just impossible and one day um she was fucked up i just got done working and i like she wanted me to bring her like jewel pods or something and i was like i i can barely stay awake right now i need to go home and go to sleep and that was that. Didn't think she was like, oh, fuck you, whatever. I was like, all right, go to sleep. And it's a good relationship. It was really healthy. Um, and so 
I didn't think anything of it. I go to bed. I wake up the next day. I I go to call her and like my texts weren't getting delivered. And I tried to like text her and like my texts aren't getting delivered. And I'm like kind of scared because she was so fucked up when I talked to her last. I was like, wonder if she's okay. And it's like 8 p.m. and my texts still aren't getting delivered. And I'm like getting ready to like drive over to her apartment. Like she she stayed with me like a lot of times, but like she was having a little mood and like was at her apartment, smoking meth and drinking. And I like, I'm like getting really nervous. And so I like messaged her on Instagram and I'm like, hey, like, like, are you there? And it like delivers and then it's like seen. And I was like, oh, you fucking bitch. You blocked my number. So I'm like fucking pissed. And I'm like blowing. I'm like, why the fuck did you block my number? Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, she's just like reading all these messages and not saying anything. And I'm just like livid at this point. I'm like, you are not fucking disrespecting me after all this shit. No, this isn't happening. So like I like blow up her phone and like I'm like, you fucking ungrateful bitch, you know, like, fuck you, whatever, whatever. She fucking calls the cops and, like, shows them the text and is, like, she tells them that I showed up to her house and I was knocking. And I'm, like, what? Like, that that didn't happen. Like, right. I, cops, I was, like, that didn't happen. But, so, like, the cops are, like, okay, we're, we'll go handle this, you know. Um, and they, like, show up to my house. And I'm like, I have my fucking grow there. I have like the cold room in the garage. Like, I can't have the cops showing up to my fucking house. I'm like, what the fuck is, what are you thinking? Like, you realize like you're going to get me and my dad arrested because you, you decided to block my number and like start an argument out of nothing. So I'm like, I'm fucking pissed. And she, the cops came to my house when I wasn't there. Hey, what's up, Daniel? I'll take it. I'll take it. What's up, man? You guys doing another pre video? Okay, cool. Huh? No, I'm just this is the second one. It's fine. Yeah, we got a pretty good video, but we're, we're getting to that. Well, I'll I'll wrap it up. So I I go to jail for that for harassment or whatever. Right. And I'm telling my dad on the, on the jail phone how to to take care of the grow because I'm like I'm not losing a fucking crop because of this stupid bitch. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm telling my dad, I didn't say anything like, you know, about plant count, about, about much, but I said enough and I hadn't, I didn't know this until I read my discovery. She had told the cops like, oh, you guys have no idea how much illegal shit he's doing. Blah, blah, right. he's doing this, he's doing that. So they, everything together, they end up, you know, um, looking up the power bill, um, doing a drive by it, smell like weed. Um, between like all that, they, they had enough for a search warrant and they searched my house while I was in jail. My, my dad was there. Um, we had just harvested. So we had, um, 
I think it was like 187 pounds or something of flour and then uh, like 12 point something pounds of hash, um, like which is marijuana concentrate. Um, luckily, didn't have any guns in the house. Didn't have, um, I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. Um, that was enough though. It was enough. And I, I think we only had like, six plants so we we didn't even get in trouble for like growing but it was uh yeah we got possession with intent to distribute marijuana um a df1 which is the highest level of drug felony here and uh yeah they charged my dad and i um our landlord didn't we were there for five years didn't we're never late on rent we're great tenants she throws out throws our stuff out um while my dad and i are in jail um i lose my two dogs which i love dearly um throughout all of our belongings and then starts remodeling the house saying you know we damaged this and we damaged that but it was like a new toilet and like a 400 hundred dollar doorbell and like brand new hardwood floors, brand new carpet, painted the whole... She just remodeled the entire fucking house. $175,000. That's what my restitution's for. Because she um, said you had ruined the house. She said we've ruined the house, but she was just taking advantage of the fact that whatever she told the courts, we... They were going to go with her. They were just going to cut her a check. Yeah. So she said it was 175 in renovations. I saw the receipts. Like, she got a $400 doorbell. She right. got $20 fucking cabinet handles. Like it was ridiculous, bro. And then on top of that, she tries to say that the house was devalued by $110,000. It was like a 400 something thousand dollar house. She's trying to say it was only worth 350 now. And I said, I, I told my lawyer, I was like, how is she going to say that she had to do 175,000 renovations and the house is devalued 110,000. Right. That doesn't make sense, right? No. So he's like, yeah, that's fucked up. So instead of having to pay the 280 that she wanted us to pay, oh, and she upped the rent from 2000 to 2400 a month and said that uh, we owed her 4 months of back rent because she couldn't rent the house out cuz it's getting renovated. Right. The judge was like, look, lady, you're going to have to pick either like the renovations or the house being devalued. So she picked the renovations and um, we, had to, we had to pay back the 175000 And um, my dad got... Uh, I said we go get some mortgages on our house. Dude, I had... <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I couldn't pull it. There's no way I could pull it off. I, I thought, trust me. I got gotcha. you. It looks like a good place for Gary. We take care of it. I got gotcha. you. Uh, thank you. Good man. As soon as you get five years when you get out of the halfway house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally had that exact same thought after I watched your story. I was like, oh, some people that need some new mortgages. <laughs> so, yeah. So my dad got um, six months jail and uh, three years probation. And they they knew it was, it was all money. So right. um, I got five years in the halfway house. Because here you can get direct sentence to the house. Right. Um, but if I fuck up, 
and get redressed, I go to um, state or prison for five weeks or whatever's left of my sentence. Um, I also got 10 years um, probation consecutive to my five years. Right. So. Mm. Mm. We ran through that pretty quick. I, I thought it was going to be longer. No, it's good. It's per, It's perfect. It's a That's a good time. It's, uh, if we had the ghost gun thing in there, it would have been. Well, that's we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll do another one. We're going to yeah. do another one. No, that because that, that would be great. Dude, I started doing research because I want to, you know, I, I haven't done that stuff since 2021. So I wanted to see what I've been missing out on. Right. Bro, they have plans on there for a 3D printed hand grenade you can make. All right. Listen, you're, you're going to get, well, I'd be shocked if this thing gets monetized at all. You've only said <laughs> well, marijuana hat. We, you only said all that stuff. Have Leave Colby cut that part out. That, Dude, that's a couple hundred. I don't, I don't know if he can, we'll see. We'll see. He'll upload it. We'll see what he can come up with. Okay. If, I, if, you know, if I have to go through and bleep them all, God, that'd suck. Bleep what? Listen, like if you say, if you say the, you can usually say the name of a drug once or twice, but if you're repeatedly saying it over and over and over and over again. You should have told me that. I know. I, I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking about it as much as until, but then you were going into it and going into it and going into it. And I was like, wow, he's really getting into this. He, and then I started thinking, how many times has he said, you know, hash, coat, marijuana? I was like, oh God, that's a lot. Hmm? You can't even say hash? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously, a, you know, it's a derivative. Well, look, you know, like they know all the, it's not like you have to say methamphetamine. If you just say meth enough times, they're going to be like, oh, he, they're talking about drugs, okay. you know? So they know all the slang words, not all of them, I'm sure, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll figure it out. My bad, bro. I'd, no, I'd, it's yeah. not your fault. This is, you know, this is, I, I should have, I, I didn't realize how, um, you know, I didn't realize how prolific you were. <laughs> so, but it's okay. It'll work out. We'll okay. fix it. Figure it out. It, it, if it needs to be fixed at all, I'd be shocked. What's so funny is I have some guys that have just said tons of stuff and then it's perfectly fine about other guys who have mentioned it a few times and it gets demonetized and they just will not monetize the video. <laughs> Can you like it. appeal it? Yeah, you could appeal it a few times, but you know, after you appeal it once or twice, they, they'll put a thing on there where it says, listen, enough already like well, you can you keep asking every three months but we're not changing our mind like it's been determined yeah you know it's it like i have one that's after multiple reviews we've determined it's like right. yeah. <laughs> um but anyway so did you have any like questions or anything like no i mean i think you were super thorough i mean you're stuck in the halfway house now now and it sounds like you just recently realized you owe 175 thousand dollars and you're not getting out of the halfway house until I, I just can't imagine spending that much time in a halfway no, no 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 so i can still go non-residential which means like uh ankle monitor at home no ankle monitor. no oh no ankle okay. just uh living at home but um they're they're um i need to show receipts every time i spend money they're managing or keeping on my finances they are making sure i'm working full-time um I can't, I don't think I can leave the county. So it's got, it's some restrictions, but it's more like, well, like, like federal probation. Yeah. It's, it's like probation. Um, and that will be, it'll be like seven months in here, residential. And then whatever time after that, um, non-residential. 
You're fine. I mean, I'm lucky. Yeah. Up, uh, bro. If they had found, they knew half the shit I really did. What? I'd be in the what? feds right now. What happened with? What happened with the uh, with the girlfriend? Is you ever hear from her? Fuck <laughs> no, dude. No. Fuck that bitch. I mean, I'm sure she she's probably sorry. She probably feels bad. You know what? I don't care. You don't <laughs> I I could give two shits. Uh, okay. A hot mess because there was she was not slowing down when I was right. So yeah. Did you see the video we released? Like I think yesterday, Sunday. Uh, which one was that? This chick, uh, Danica. About she broke her she broke her boyfriend out of federal. I mean, out of state prison. Oh, I saw that wasn't on Spotify. No, it's on my channel. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw that when I was looking at your channel this morning. I want to watch that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. She's uh, like, we, you know, we don't typically edit videos, but it really, it was over three hours long and we edited, it was like three and a half, a little bit more than three and a half hours long. And now I think Colby got it down to like, we, we, we edited roughly an hour off of it and people are still complaining that she's, she's rambling on, 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 on. And I'm thinking like we cut a ton out. She's got a great story, but she was, you know, she was, um, she was nervous, you know, nervous and, 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 and she was rambling and we trimmed it down and, uh, but she does have a, an interesting story cause you know, she broke, like she broke, she broke her boyfriend out of prison. Like that didn't watch that. That's, that's insane. It wasn't like a camp. Oh, no, no. Two layers of fences, guard towers. He had to get through three doors with um, Allen wrenches that she threw over. He drugged a guard. It's it's a serious. I'm going to watch it. But, of course, what's so funny is that when she's telling it, it doesn't feel serious. Yeah. (laughs) It is. Allen wrenches. Yeah, but it is serious. And I'm kind of like just the whole time going. And she's and she's so and she's funny about it. She's like, yeah, you know, you know, you mean kill fence. She's like, I, you know, I, I, I got the bolt cutters, you know, I'm good with a pair of bolt cutters. And she said, I, uh, you know, it's, you're like, why do you like, she's joking around the whole time, but, but it takes her forever to get to the point where she's breaking. Cause I don't really know the story. I read a couple I, there was two articles I read about her that she had sent me just to kind of like, okay, you're saying you broke a guy out of jail. I, I'm having a hard time believing that I'm going to need something. <laughs> she sent me two articles and I was like, oh wow, this is real. It checked out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She like really broke these two guys. One, all it was just her boyfriend, but he brought a buddy. You know, of course. I mean, you, just, you know, the hole's already cut. So <laughs> she, uh, yeah. So the idea that she that anybody would do that is so over the top insane. And she downplays it like it was Louisiana. Like, oh, well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> Wait, not to spoil the story, but. Did she end up doing time? For that? Oh yeah, they yeah. made it all of like five days. Like five days later, she get they get they all get arrested. They get arrested. She ends up going to jail. Well, I'm sorry, they both they all go to jail, but for some reason, he doesn't have like she's got like two and a half million dollars worth of bond or bond or something. <laughs> he should have a hold on him because he's he's in federal prison. Like technically, technically, you're in not federal. Sorry, he's in a state prison. Yeah, he's in it. Like, he's Right, but he escaped. So they arrest him on the uh, on the escape. He literally gets a bond. 
a low bond because for some reason somebody didn't do something in the system to say hold him. <laughs> he just prison. escaped. Yeah, he actually gets a bond. That's they bond him out, and somebody bonds him out. So no, then she, yeah, then she's calling around, and she actually is in jail, waiting to be sentenced, and she's talking to him on the phone, going, "She's like, this is like I'm in jail right now, and you're out there. Like this is ridiculous." <laughs> so. But they catch him again. You know, this guy, he like he's escaped, I don't know what she said, five or six times. She's like, he's constantly getting in and out of jail. I guess his whole life is like they I get out, I fuck up, I go back, I get escape. <laughs> um he like he he's great at escaping prison. He's not great at life. Yeah. <laughs> sound like it. You go to jail and you realize that there's lots of guys in there that like they know how to do time. Like yep. they can keep themselves comfortable. They 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 have the hookup on everything. They very quickly um, acclimate to the to the situation easily, and and they have they're they're living as good as you can live in a, in prison. And but you realize like you you got out and robbed the bank at the halfway house, right? <laughs> then you went to prison for four years on that, right? Got back out, right? Then two year or two years into your probation, you got picked up for you know selling whatever, right? Went back for six years. Yeah. Then you got out and within a year you were caught for making, you know, you know, counterfeit money or, you know, for counterfeiting money. And they're like, right, right. You got four years for that. Yes. Then you like they like they've been on they've been in and out of custody their entire life, never got off probation. Yeah, never supervisable. Yeah. Never 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 successfully completed a supervision um of of any kind. Since they were like fifteen, and you're like, and yet you got here like Six months ago, you're getting paid for two jobs that you're not working. <laughs> People are coming to visit you. Every visitation, you have someone coming. You've got a ton of food in your locker. Your clothes are pressed. You're, somebody makes your bed. You've got a guy cleaning your room. You're on two on a softball team, a baseball team. Like You're like living the best you can live in here. But you can't stay out of prison. No, yep. I know. They got it figured out inside, but once they get out, it's just right. They're like, I know, man. I know it's crazy. <laughs> They're okay with it. Hey, more power to them. Yeah, that's just not me. No, no, I'm, I'm. I got to be done with this. I mean, you made the best of your situation. I'm trying to make the best of my situation. I'm definitely trying. I mean, while you were in there, yeah, I made the best of it because I'm not still in there trimmed off 12 years that's the way you do it that's the way to do it no way to do it is not to do it yeah not everyone has frank amadeo at their disposal somebody else can do that that uh, (laughs) that's too much time for me we need to spread this around (laughs) you can tommy five jimmy you can do two billy all right i'm not doing it no you're not nobody's putting money on my books no so yeah frank amadeo I'd love to get him on the podcast. He'd be, he would be amazing if he would, I don't know, just, I just, he's not going to do it. How much longer is he going to be in for? Huh? How much longer is he going to be in for? Is he out? He's not. He's out. What he got he himself get? out on the, um, the first step act. He got himself out. Then after about a year and a half, they threw him back in prison. They, yeah. they violated him for six months. He got himself back out again. And why haven't you got him on the show? Because he's, 
he's just not gonna he's not gonna do it. And right now he's basically terrified because they threw him back in jail. Like they 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 literally the government just lied to get him thrown back in. They were trying to get him thrown back in custody, and he eventually went back in front of the judge and was like, "Where's the proof of this? Where's the proof of that? Where's the proof?" And the judge was like, "Where's the proof of any of this stuff you guys are saying he did?" And when they came up with, "Well, it was a it was a, a an anonymous call, okay, and we can't prove that he left the jurisdiction, but uh um." We, uh, I, I, we just got a call that we um uh well, where's the proof he was wearing an ankle monitor where's the um <laughs> well his probation officer said and the probation officer like doesn't show up like it was a whole just a clusterfuck you realize they were just desperate to try and get him thrown back into jail oh i'm sure and now but he's back out again but now everybody i've talked to is like oh he's terrified like now he doesn't do it he doesn't barely afraid to go to work and back like so no interviews whatsoever so i don't see him doing an interview plus being in prison and telling your story and you're you're you know unencumbered by judgment yeah. and and he had 10 or 10 or so more years to go 10 or 12 more years to go when it when he was when I, I wrote his story so you know he's thinking like he's just he's surrounded by people that think all the things that he did were cool right. and so That's then the I write the story he loved it loved the story and I was if you read the story like I was I was brutal about just everything his from his mental condition, you know, to every everything across the board, how he behaves, everything. And he loved it. Um I mean, just the subtitle, I mean, I'm surprised. It was insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and he and think about it. Imagine someone saying that about about you, you're you know, and you're just like, yeah. And he's like, nice. Yeah. I like it. I love it. And then you know, it was all everything's true. Yeah. Well, so then I get out of prison, I tell him, and he's still in prison, I'm communicating with him. I'm like, I'm gonna blow this thing into a whole book. I want to start interviewing people. I want to interview this guy, this guy. And he starts helping me arrange all those interviews <laughs> from inside prison. Like he's calling these guys. He'll be interviewed. And I'm starting to set up the interviews. I interviewed one guy, um, one guy that he set up the interview with. And we were going to do a second interview, a more in-depth interview. And he suddenly, um, and then suddenly Frank realized he was going to get out of prison. So suddenly the first, he realized the first step act actually was going to allow him, like they got passed and he realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually, this is going to work for me. I'm actually going to get let out. And suddenly he called all these people and said, don't be interviewed. And I'm like, wait a second. Like what I think happened was he started thinking to himself, you know, I'm going to get out and I'm having an opportunity to kind of rebrand myself. I don't have to do 10 more years. 10 or 12 more years. So I have an opportunity to brand myself. Do I want Matt Cox to say that, tell the story that he's telling, like it's cool in here yeah. and it, you know, it doesn't hurt me in here, but if I'm outside trying to get back into being, a, um, you know, um, uh, being a, uh, raising capital or venture capitalist. Uh, yeah. At, ad, or, um, advising bankrupt, uh, companies in bankruptcy or he doesn't want to be the emperor. Right. If I'm want to be a venture capitalist, like I don't need this book floating around. Talking about poisoning villages, right? Exactly. <laughs> so he kind of tried to put the the kibosh on it. Well, what happened was I started making phone calls. I ended up getting a bunch of. I went through his his uh, discover no, his discovery. I did and his docket sheet, and I got a bunch of affidavits that were filed by people about him, which were a lot like interviews. 
So now I, I was able to feather those in. I was able to go through this documentary and transcribe it and use the transcriptions of the documentary. Yeah. And I, so I use that as a transcript. And I used the first interview that I made with the, with one of his guys. Then I contacted another one of his former um, business partners and interviewed him, which Frank <laughs> he hadn't talked to him in eight years. Since before he went to prison. Right. So he couldn't contact him because he didn't know I contacted him. I actually had a bu- uh, I actually have a guy who contacted me and said, "Look, if you ever need to co- track somebody down, let me know. I'm a private investigator." Absolutely. So he tracked this guy down. So I wrote the book with all of these guys' help, help and I also ended up interviewing a guy who was a former CIA agent. Bustamante? Bustamante. That's how Danny met Bustamante after I interviewed after he read Frank's book and I did a huge interview with him throughout the whole book. I called Danny and said, you need to get this guy on. Dude, he's brilliant. I love Boost Monday. But listen to what happened with Danny. And so Danny's like, who is it? What? I don't know, bro. Who Are, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. He goes, okay, well, uh, give me his information. I'll contact him. Two weeks later, nothing. I call him up. Did you talk to that guy? No, not yet. Oh, I'm going to, bro. I'm going to. Send me the information again. Bustamante then a week or two later sends me a thing saying, hey, I've never heard from this guy. You said this guy was going to contact me. I said, okay, call him again. This went on for two months. Finally, Danny's like, calls me up. He's like, bro, man, I, I need somebody. I go, bro, I gave you a fucking guy. <laughs> you I gave him a great guy. guy. Right. So he contacts him. He shows up two, three days later. And then Danny, like, right after the episode, or Danny calls me and he's like, bro, that dude's amazing. That was it. I'm like, like, I'm not sending you scumbag idiots. Like, this guy told you the guy's brilliant. He's, you're not, he's a former CIA. So <laughs> he's had him on like four times. Now Bustamante's doing everybody's show. Yeah. He's doing Rogan soon. He did uh, Sean Ryan, right? Yeah, he's done everybody. He did, uh, he did Lex, uh, Lex Freeman the other day. Yep. Yep. Like, he's huge. Listen, I'll Bustamante won't Bustamante. return a text message from me now. Yeah, he's too big time now. Oh, of course not. I talked <laughs> to you. Cox sounds familiar. <laughs> huh. I think I talked to a guy named Cox. Oh, that... <laughs> That that the con man guy. Oh, no, I, can't. <laughs> I can't be associated with yeah. him. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah. So anyway, I wrote that book, and here's the thing: Frank's read the book, so yeah, I know did. Frank's. Re- I actually was contacted by somebody. Did who you send went, him a copy? Went, no. no, but I know he read it because one, he's posted it on his Instagram account. He's sent people the link. Because I was, when he went to jail, uh, somebody who was talking to him contacted me and said, listen, I can't get in touch with this guy. I don't know what happened. I said, well, how do you, how, why are you contacting me? She said, because I know you wrote a book about him. And I said, well, how do you know I wrote a book about him? And she said, because he sent me the link to the book and told me if I wanted to know about him to read the book. Do you think it's actually him on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Here's why I think it's, it's him because... There are photographs of him that I've never seen, and these are like, these are like family photos. So I really do think it's him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I, I definitely not, not just that. His lawyer contacted me one time through Instagram because she contacted me through Instagram. Um. Yeah, it's 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 him. I will listen. It sounds to me like they they just called the maintenance cr- crew. So, I'm <laughs> now let's go. One minute. No.
they missed for count. It's never anything important, bro. It's ridiculous. But yeah. listen, when I was in the halfway house, if you didn't have a job, you had to clean like three times a day. They make you work in the kitchen here. Yeah. It, oh. it's, it's the worst. It's like, it's bad enough that like, I have to be here. Now I have to go work in this fucking shithole kitchen. Like, and, oh, bro. And they don't let you cook the food. You're just like bagging bologna sandwiches. And like, it's just, yeah. But, and at least when you have a job, you're not in the halfway house all the time, even though they're taking half your money. But Do they really take half? Yeah. So 30%. Um, so like I get like a thousand dollars a check, like every two weeks. And I get to keep like a couple hundred bucks and then they take the other 800 and they put half towards restitution. Yeah. <laughs> and then half to our savings and we get our savings when we go non-res. So it's, it's there's just, they, that's cause they care about you. Dude. It's just to, just, to reform us and help us. It's all, yeah, it's it is. All it is. The, the problem is you don't understand tough love. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> You've been coddled. They yeah. they're trying to help you. Totally. It's yeah. Making six dollars an hour. I feel the love. People helping people. So yeah. it's funny at the halfway house in Tampa, run by the uh, Goodwill, they take thirty percent of your gross. So think about it. Twenty percent of your check goes toward taxes. Right. So they would take the gross and they take thirty. You have to write them a check for thirty percent. So you literally were getting. It ended up being like. 47 cents on the dollar or something. That's it was like, yeah. I'm making 47 cents on the dollar. And then, you know, these guys are all pissed off, like these bastards and this, that, and, and they all wanted to go home. But I sat there one day and I, you know, put pen to paper and I was like, I can't live for less than this. I, like, I, you know what I'm saying? Cause if you, you did them, like these guys fed us four times a day, you know, now granted you could pay for extra stuff. But you, your base meal wasn't that bad. You know, the base meal wasn't horrible. So it was like, I get three meals a day. I get a place to stay. They take 30%. I get 50%. All of that. I just, I spent mo- nothing. Like I made it, I made it like a game to spend as little as I could across the board. That's pretty much what I do. <laughs> right. And like, I, I remember one of the first things I did when I went to, Walmart, I bought a pair of clippers, which I still have to this day. I was giving myself a haircut. Why am I going to pay 30 bucks to, for somebody to cut my hair? For 40 bucks, I can get a pair of clippers. Every two weeks, I'm, I mean, I still do it sometimes. Really? I mean, I still cut the sides of it down. Yeah, that's good. Well, this I is, pay 10 bucks. We got, we got a couple barbers in here. Oh, it's even better if you got a barber. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could not let any of those guys cut my hair at this place. Oh yeah. I mean, some of these guys are like legit barbers. So, I mean, 10 bucks, go to the laundry room. Oh, listen, some of the barbers in prison. Some like, of them are prison barbers. Yeah. yeah you're not going to get a better barber because, because think about it. They like, they can spend some time on your hair. Oh, they're yeah. not trying to mash them out. They're like, it's perfect. It's, you know, they're, they're really like artisans. You can be an artisan. Experience. Right. You can be an artisan when you don't have to pay your bills. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. It becomes just about the finished product and not about, not about getting them done as quick as possible. Yeah, that's true. So, but yeah, I just didn't want to use the clippers and stuff at the place. You know, those, some of these guys are such, they're just disgusting. 
Yeah, this, this I'm sure you're fine. He cleans shit. Like he has an apron, uh, nice clippers. It's legit. But as far as like living off of like you couldn't live off what you're getting, bro. Even if I was getting all fourteen fifty an hour that I make, right? Cost of living here is so crazy. Like, yeah, you can't get a one bedroom apartment for less than like fourteen hundred bucks. Oh yeah, that's how it is. In and it's funny, my rent here is actually pretty reasonable. Like, but my, I had an apartment that was about fourteen to fifteen hundred dollars for a one bedroom apartment. Now like in downtown Tampa. No, no. This was in a suburb, but it was brand new. It's a brand new complex. Now, I could have gotten for nine hundred bucks a month or a thousand. I probably could have got a one bedroom place. Would have been twenty or thirty years old. It probably wouldn't have been the like this place was a gated community. Everything was nice. It was super nice. Everything was brand new. Like I was the first person to live there. Yeah, like fourteen hundred here. You're getting a one bedroom, and it's it's like a old. Yeah, no shit, dirty carpet. No. No, like my, I, I live in what's, this place is probably over to probably 21, 2200 square feet. I have a, I have a four bedroom, three bath house with a two car garage built three years ago. And how much? Brand is new. You're right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is it? 2600, 2650 actually, 2650. Pretty expensive. No, that's not bad. You're the yeah, no, for what it is, that's great, but I can't afford that making fourteen fifty an hour. Right. Well, I can't afford it either. Like I, I <laughs> we I, I have a we have a roommate. We have, you know. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'd run out all the rooms if I could. What was it come out to like with your roommate? You know. We're still paying like nineteen hundred something a month. Which is great for that. You know? Right. And it, you know, it comes with my I got my studio in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, your art studio there too, right? Or is that in, that's in the garage? Yeah, that's great. Can't even work in the garage. You can't even walk out. It's Florida. You can't even walk outside right now. How hot is it? It's like a hundred here, bro. But we don't have humidity. No, the humidity will kill you. Yeah, yeah. I sold you, my car. Your Jeep? Yeah. Why I sold it? Why? I I because I drove it like like I haven't had it in over a month, but like the month the last month I had it. I drove it like three times in a month and I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Why do I you have, have to, to share a car now? Yeah, but we don't go anywhere. We go to the gym in the morning. Uh, Jess drives us both to the gym in the morning. She drops me off. She leaves. She goes to work. I don't know what happened. I don't know where she's going in during the day. She goes somewhere. She comes back with a paycheck. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so if I need to go somewhere, like I'll, I'll go, I'll wait on the weekends and then I'm like, Hey, I need to go to home Depot and we need to go to target. And she's like, cool, let's go. And if I had to, I could borrow her car, but I think I did have to go to the, I did travel to, fuck, I don't even know where I went, like Indianapolis or something. No, wait, Columbus, Ohio. I went to Columbus like two, three weeks ago. And I took, you know, I think, oh, did she drop me off? At Uber. You that, right? No, I know, but I'm talking about going to the airport. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying at first that you were driving there. I was like, that's far drive. Did I Uber there? I think I Ubered there. That's it. But it's it's like it was like thirty bucks. Yeah, it's not nothing. What are you paying for your car? Four or five hundred? Oh, I was paying like three seventy five. The plus insurance. plus insurance was a couple hundred. Just a couple hundred? Uh, yeah, a month. It was almost. Yeah, but it's like it was like twelve hundred. It's like yeah, it's like eleven ninety or something every six months. It's like two hundred bucks a month. 
You don't have any DUIs or anything. That's, that sounds high. No. I've no, no tickets, nothing. Yeah. I had one ticket. I went to driving school. I mean, the last you know fifteen years, you haven't really been driving much. So. No, and I'm old. Right. Yeah. I live out in the middle of nowhere. That's crazy. I know. It's a lot. Just chop around. Yeah, you should chop around. It was a Geico. There's, there's, there's better rates out there than a Geico. Trust me. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, listen, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to try it. We're going to try and save money to buy a house. So, you know, not like I used to do it. I was going to say, I was was trying to think of something. (laughs) Legit. You need to actually put down a down payment. You can't get it back. Like, what do you mean that's gone? (laughs) You can't, can't we write a check out of the closing to a construction company? No, Mr. Cost, (laughs) this is their money. That's crazy. Can we bump up the purchase plate home? Just let Jess handle that. You yeah. shouldn't even go. <laughs> it's going to be too much temptation. First of all, I can't even think about it. She's got to buy a house anyway. She'd have to buy it, or we got to get owner financing. Can't buy it in my name. Really? So you want it six million dollars? Oh yeah, they're just going to attach to the house. I can't do that. I'm not stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that would just be that would like I might as well rent. Yeah, you don't have trouble finding renters with like your record. No, because the um, when they run you, your federal record doesn't show up. Yeah, they have to pay. So that to get a federal, your federal record to show up, they have to pay like eighty or a hundred bucks or something. And most renter renters companies out here, they pay like the forty dollar one, which is just for state. No shit. Yeah, and even the federal one, I think it only goes back. So if they do it, it only goes back so far. And then the feds don't report for them. Like after seven years or nine years or something, they don't report. It might, because trust me, I've, every place I've been, I've been brand new complexes. Every single place has said, you don't have a record. So I stopped saying it. Yeah. Why why bring that up? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it's just silliness. What's really funny is that my landlord, who I, you know, nope. I said, nope, I'm good. Ran a check, everything. And then a year later, sent me a text one day and said, I just saw you on TV. I was gonna, I was waiting for that. I was like, how have they not seen the, the home title lock? And I was like, and I, I, I just sent him the emoji with the big eyes. <laughs> that one, you know, though. Yeah. And he just, he put, just sent back, you know, ha, 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 ha. He goes, it's not a big deal. Listen, and he renewed my lease after that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We've never talked about it. Hey, maybe he watches the show. I know. Like, it, like here's the thing. If you saw me on TV and I had given you the name, you know, Lee Black, the <laughs> fact that I gave you my name, like I can't do anything in my name. Right, right. If I say, yeah. if I introduce you as Matt Cox and I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I introduce you, as, introduce myself to you as, you know, David Silver. <laughs> you better. You better watch out. <laughs> you, you got some problems coming your way. <laughs> but, you know. So he probably looked into it and said, ah, he's good. Plus, I'm on probation. Like, all he's got to do is call my probation officer. I'm done. I can never be in front of my judge again. Why? <laughs> he's going to kill me, no matter what it is. It's like, oh, Mr. Cox, oh, you were jaywalking. Well, let's give you 10 years to think about that. It's a, no matter <laughs> what it is, he's got to be like, oh, no, 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 no. They just no, no. I don't think he has it out for me. I think he thinks I got a stiff sentence, which I I know he believes I got. He gave me a stiff sentence, the guy within the guidelines. But he also gave me a huge break. 
you know? Like he gave me 12 years off of a 26-year sentence that who knows, I probably, whether I think I had it coming or not, under the guidelines, I probably, I, I did not have it coming under the guidelines. So, well, really, that, that's not true. Part of it I did have coming. I, I really feel like I had the whole thing coming. But I think he was, he realizes that he didn't have to lean my way. He didn't have to do it. He probably would have slept like a baby had he not done it. And he said, you know what? I really think he got hammered. So I'm, and I do think that these things he's done, he was promised, he was told to do them. You know, did, why did he do them? Did he do them because he's a changed man? Like he even says that at my sentencing. He's like, I, I can't determine that. doesn't matter why. Right. You did it. Right. It matters that I was told to do it. I did it. I was, I believed I was doing it for a reason that I was told and they were going to reduce my sentence. That's what I was told. So he, and I'm sure he understands like what a horrible position I was in. And so he, he cut me a break. So, you know, like I don't have, you know, a lot of guys like hate their, their judges and their, their, the U S attorneys or their, you know, sorry, the, or in your case, like the district attorneys and like, he hated me and fuck that guy. And and, and I just don't feel like that. Like, I feel like the, the sentencing guidelines are, they're draconian in the federal system. They're just, they're just, they're just horrible. They're horrendous. I mean, bro, how did Elizabeth Holmes get 10 years and stole how much billions of dollars and then you get 26 Right. And she went to trial. Like, like she didn't go and in and say, look, trial. she didn't go in and say, look, I fucked up. I want to plead guilty. I want to take. Nope. You she's said, got 26 years. That's crazy. She went in and said, I didn't do nothing. Yeah. She didn't even admit. Like, right. No acceptance of responsibility to nothing. I mean, the only thing with you is like, you made them look like fucking idiots. Right. It, it, they, and they hate bad press. Yeah. They do hate bad. Press. You made them look bad. So. So I think, you know, what's so funny is uh, I have a buddy who does legal work for inmates. He actually knows several inmates in the same prison as Elizabeth Holmes. Really? Yeah. Is it Rossini? No, it's, I don't want to say who it is. Okay. okay. So no, Rossini's in prison. He's not in a f- female prison. Oh, oh this no. is the guy on the outside who does legal work. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, you know, from my understanding is like she, like the first few months she was in, like she was having a bad time. They're like, she's oh, sure. like, she doesn't want to take a shower. Like she's on she the computer. Going in, bro. Oh, she's think about imagine the like she never really did any time. The idea that she went in. I'm saying up to this, she was on she was on house arrest. Yeah. So in a, now in you're mansion. going in in a mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're going to a camp. Like, just going from having everything in the world, like, I couldn't have, I couldn't imagine. It was bad enough for she. She's going from up here to below zero, you know, she's, and and so they were just like, like, she's, she stumbles around, she's depressed, she, all she does is want to sleep, she's on the computer, she, she's like mumbling to herself, like, she doesn't look like she wants to take a shower, like, she's just like. Her clothes are fucked up. They're like, you could tell she's going through it. I'm sure. You know, it's starting to really sink in. I'm going to be here a while. There's nothing I can do. What's, have you heard updates? Like what's, what she's doing now? I mean, she's already gotten a few years off her sentence. She, she won something and they knocked some time off her sentence. I don't even know why, but 
you know, and she's going to get like these uh, FSA credits that they have. They had this whole thing on the first step change. She's going to end up doing, she's not going to do six or seven years. You think that long? Yeah. yeah six, seven, maybe. Ten? It wasn't 10. I thought it was like 11 or 12. Wasn't 11, or 12. but she's got a couple of years. So she's probably at 10 now. She, yeah, she, let's say six years. I'll bet she does six years. And then what did fucking Sonny get? Like 15 or 20 or something? He got more time, didn't he? She blamed it all on him. Yeah, that's that poor guy, man. You know, like, he just got fucked. A jury didn't didn't like that mean Indian man <laughs> taking advantage of that, that poor innocent white woman who happens to be a pathological liar. Yeah. Yeah, who speaks her like this and we're... Her voice is ridiculous. Yeah, she didn't sound like that, by the way. Everybody yeah. in prison is like they totally dropped that. Like that's out the window. Like my little my little con man. I'm Steve. I'm a reincarnation of Steve Jobs. Bullshit. Yeah, that's over. <laughs> Good. I don't know what she was going for. No black turtlenecks in prison. No. <laughs> hey, this is Matt Cox, and I appreciate you guys watching. Do me a favor, hit the like button, subscribe, hit the bell, leave me <laughs> leave me a comment in the comment section, and please consider joining my Patreon. Really appreciate you guys watching. Thank you very much. See ya.